available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the podcast of champions talking all things Pac-12 football. Happy New Year, everybody. The Pac-12 2019 season is officially done. Pac-12 went four and three in bowl games, a little bit better uh, than what we've seen in the past. We're going to talk about that. we got to recap all the games. Dave crushed me in the picks this year, so the first time in our four-year history he's won, so we'll talk about that a little bit. we got news about coaches and guys leaving early for the NFL, but if you want to hear from us or you want to say something to us, you know, give us some feedback or anything, we got a lot of ways to do that. You can email us, Pac-12podcast at gmail.com. You could call or text us, 424 424- 5320678 is a number. Leave us a voicemail. Send us a text. We got some Reddit thing or something now, Dave, too. Uh, maybe you want to tell people about that. Yeah. So one of our uh, anonymous folks uh, decided to create our Reddit that we uh, basically expressed our ignorance about how to even do that um, and whether we even wanted to. Just general kind of ambivalence about the entire affair. Uh, but now there exists a Reddit. Um, it is reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions very simple um i think at last count we had a full 59 yeah. uh, mem- members subscribers whatever you want to call the people who you know i guess say that they are affiliated with that in some way i don't know don't really get the whole thing it's really great um but we've had a few people commenting on it so that's something um so it's not a completely dead area you should go check it out. Yeah, that's what an endorsement. What an endorsement that is that I just provided for everyone. I created a Reddit account just for this. Uh, I, po- mm-hmm. I I don't know how to do it that well yet, but I post tried to post a picture of uh, the the Rose Bowl when I was at Pasadena, um, and it's basically just a link to our Pac-12 podcast, like a Twitter photo I put up there. I'm sure there's a way to embed it. I tried to embed code that didn't work. I tried just the direct link that didn't work. Maybe that doesn't work in Reddit. There's probably some special way to do it. Some of you Reddit experts can let me know. Dave, you may know, David. I do not know. Yeah, no, I have no idea. Um, but it's very exciting. We're happy to have it. You guys should go on there. We'll post the. We'll definitely post the show every week. Ryan will try to do more than that. I probably won't. Um, but I'll be on there. I'll occasionally maybe comment. Maybe we'll see. I have yeah. hopes and dreams, but I mean, really, those don't turn out ever. So. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. But you guys should go on there and, yeah. uh, and post on the Reddit. Definitely check it out. You can also tweet us, as usual, at Pac-12 Podcast. The website is Pac-12Podcast.com. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or all the different podcasting platforms. Rate us. Five stars are awesome. It's been a while since we've done a show. We were going to do one late last week. I got uh, smacked upside the head with the flu uh, 
hundred Dave on Friday, hundred and three point two temperature. I was like, what? Um, so I've been in bed basically for the last three days, but uh, came out for this. This is like rallied, rallied uh, for you guys. But um, I don't know. Do we get any uh, any new reviews uh, on? No, the, uh, we, we've got a, we've got a bunch. We do we've got a bunch. Awesome. Yeah, you ready right. for some? I love you. To ready hear for it. some? Yeah. All right. This is a five star review from Jeff Wu, USC, nineteen ninety four. Typical Trojan and Bruin. Uh, if stereotypes ring true towards any duo from USC UCLA, it absolutely applies to this pair. Ryan is the poster boy for USC. He looks the part, he sounds the part, he acts the part. Like most Trojans, Ryan is a conservative right-wing Republican who just makes a lot of logical sense on his views. He's the respectful type you'd be happy that your daughter brought home. Dave, on the other hand, is just this left-wing liberal hippie commie. He says the wrong things, (laughs) is snarky, inappropriate, rude, judgmental. Dave takes the unpopular, illogical stance on many issues. He's the weirdo your daughter brings home, and the next day you go out and buy a gun. If he can somehow avoid any, quote, accidents in your home, you realize that he is way smarter than he sounds, and it just takes a little while to get over his attitude. His views and comments are well thought out, and he actually makes a lot of sense. Put together, Ryan and Dave provide a very entertaining <laughs> overview of the downfall of the Pac-12 dumpster fire. We're bringing people together that on is, this podcast. That is pretty awesome. First of all, if I had an age-appropriate daughter, I would love to have her uh, date Dave. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I loved everything he wrote. It was pretty, it's pretty funny. And I, I don't think the typical any college kid, I mean, is conservative these days so i don't think that's the thing anymore like no no i don't yeah. i don't even think at usc that's the thing yeah like um, if, if there's like 15 percent of republicans on campus that's probably like well, super conservative uh, campus i would guess well and that's the thing like when you were i mean it is so much a product of the times because like my my brother who's about your age um he was like young republicans at ucla like it's just i think a lot of it is just the circumstances like if you grew up during like the reagan era what are you gonna be like, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's just a different time. Yeah. Um, Do they, they probably don't even have that, like, at Cal. Like, would they have a young Republicans? Like, you probably couldn't even have enough to play someone in chess. To, you know, like, there's, it'd be like one guy, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ryan. Um, all right, this is another one. You ready? Yes. Five-star review from Papa Moose X2. A uh, great podcast. While Ryan and the other guy give a somewhat passable discussion of Pac-12 football in each episode, it could use more Star Wars Disney Princess mashup talk. That notwithstanding, I enjoy it enough to keep coming back. Richard in Des Moines, lactose the intolerant on the P. Oh, so it's, right. a, it's a Peristyle guy. You know, I really meant to. Hopefully, people enjoyed our spoiler-free uh, end of. The, we didn't. We weren't really planning on doing that last show, like um, going off on Star Wars. Um, and I meant we to went, when I, we went ham on Star we went, Wars. Well, you, you you more than me, but it was. Uh, I feel bad too because then I talked to some people that just loved it, and then I just. But I trust you, and you know I trust my eyes too. But like, and I was just like, oh, I feel bad for them. They like that, uh, but I really wanted to come back and watch it in Hollywood. Like, I still want to go to El Capitan or something and just see it in Hollywood too. Uh, but it's it, it's gonna. I mean, it's you know it's been a few weeks since it's been out, so it's not gonna be as fun. It's always fun like that first week. It's real. I mean, if you don't live in Los Angeles, like people stay at the end and they like cheer for their friends in the credits. Like it's just a unique experience watching at a cool theater. It happens in Westwood. Like people, like it's a big deal. Like, and I kind of like watching. Movie, I'm not like a huge movie guy, but I like seeing blockbuster movies, kind of like that. Um, like with the Star Wars thing. But I do want to go to Hollywood and see it. It's just everything kind of got crazy, and then I got sick. But hopefully this week I can like run up and uh, 
see it at the Chinese Theater or El Capitan or something. That'd be great. All right, this is from Turgeon Mike and SFO, another five-star review. Uh, fantastic show. Love the podcast. Appreciate all the work. Only feedback would be that David is too much of a Bruin homer, and Ryan does not talk enough about the awesomeness that is USC. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, great show, banter, insight, and analysis. Highly recommended. Keep up the great work, fight on, and make USC great again. So there's right. like three I USC people that all seem to have high approval ratings for you. That's good. I know. It's really great. I'm really excited about it. All right. Yeah. And then uh, we've got, well, I think just one more. Um, this is Death Cab Fan, five star. I've been li- super superfluous. <laughs> I've been listening. It's great, the subject lines for what is a five star review. It's really <laughs> fantastic. Um, I've been listening to Ryan and the other guy for several years, and I always look forward to the podcast. They have good insight into each Pac-12 team, and Ryan and the other guy have good on-air chemistry and work well with each other. I even enjoy the off-season, off-topic stuff as they segue their way through the universe. Oh, nice. Very sweet. Uh, All right. I think that's it. I think that's it. Uh, but thank you, everyone, for the uh, for the reviews, as always. Yeah. Thanks very much. Um, awesome stuff. They, they're so good. Like, they, the people just... I mean, they get it, and uh, they always say something funny, and uh, really, I mean, you you get to be the other guy quite a bit, uh, but I think it's really like, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it, but it doesn't like inspire you to like, hey, I'm going to do a little more work, and they'll stop. No, like no, 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 God no, God no, God no. I embrace it. I love it. I will, um, I will be the other guy to you forever. It's fine. That's well, great. I need I need to t- send you a picture, David, because I have to update my whiteboard. Because I have up on the whiteboard 2016 our picks, uh, where I went 52, 34, and three, and you went 50, 36, and three. 2017 I went 52, 47, and one, so it was a little closer. It was almost, you know a little above 500. You were a little below 500 that year, 49, 50, and one. Then last year uh, just crushed it. We both did well. 59, 37, and three for me. 56, 40, and three for you. And this year, uh, after you went five and two. In bowl season, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, you and you squeaked back up above 500, 47, 45, and one. I was a putrid two and five in bowl season. Really trying to pick the opposite of you didn't work when you picked well. Uh, 41, 51, and one. So <laughs> terrible, uh, like the worst outing any of us have had. Uh, but for the first time in our four year history, you won the pick 'em pool. So congrats to David Woods. Yeah, and I think this is the first time we only uh, we're only including games that actually had a spread. So this is great. Yeah, I think last year we tried to, or we made up spreads, and that didn't work. So this is like now we just cut out non-spreads. But it was also a really freaking weird. It was a year. it was a very odd year. It yes. was a very odd year. Um, um, and bowl season in particular, like I was in a bowl pool, and the only ones I did well on were like the Pac-12 ones, but things were not following along favorite and non-favorite lines at all in bowl season. It was a very weird bowl season as well. Yeah. Uh, but I'll, I, you know, I'll update that in the blog and I got to put it on my whiteboard. So uh, it'll stay up there. I'll have to stare at it for a whole year until next year. You're just going to be training. There's going to be a montage of you like in the like Siberian wilderness, just lifting logs, getting ready for your picks next yeah. year. And it's just going to be in the back of your head the entire time. It, You're just going to be doing push-ups thinking, I got to beat Dave. It, I got to beat Dave. It is funny how much it matters. I don't. I mean, we don't put any money. Like, it's not, you know, um, like, it's not like we don't pay each other or anything. 
But when we do the picks, it's like I'll be like covering a USC game, and I'm like, "What's Oregon State doing?" Like I'm like on my little you know, iPad or something, just to like, "Hey, what's going on?" I don't know why it matters. And by the end, I was like, "This isn't gonna." I'm like every time I pick something, I'm like, "Oh, that makes sense." No, it's not. It's like the opposite was happening. It was like a Costanza thing. So I was kind of rooting at the end for just like, "Oh yeah, just let that team lose. I don't care." Um, yeah, pure chaos. It was. It was. It was pure. Pure chaos. But. Uh, yeah, so our picks are done, and uh, we'll we'll move on with that. We have some coaching newsy kind of stuff. There's a couple, three offensive coordinator positions were open in the North, uh, Oregon and Washington still open, but Cal uh, hired Bill Musgrave as the offensive coordinator. So you might remember him slinging it up there in Eugene. Uh, spent I think his last few years in the NFL, right? Um, but, yeah, he's been in the NFL, gosh, I think since like 2003. That long. Okay, so it's been a while. Um, but he's going to take over for uh, Bo Baldwin, who moved on. What he did, Cal Poly, right? He moved to, to take that over. Yeah, he took the head coaching job there. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is an interesting hire. Um, I don't – so, I don't know. You've watched pr- probably quite a bit more NFL than I do. Uh, the Broncos, were they known for like being one of those college offenses? No. Not so that, this isn't going to work. <laughs> no, I'm going to I'll say definitively right now this will not work. Yeah, so he was he didn't work last year if I'm not mistaken, right? He was the offensive coordinator for Denver yeah, in 2018. Yeah, he was the Denver OC in 2018 um and before that he was the OC for the Raiders in 2015 and 16, which I don't think were good Raiders teams because mm, they haven't so. really been for a long time. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I, I don't recall. I mean, I, I, it wasn't like I followed the Broncos closely, but I don't re- recall the Broncos being one of those teams that were, um, you know, running that kind of college stuff. Yeah. So his experience as a college coach, can I can I read it off for you? Sure. Virginia, 2001-2002, offensive coordinator. Yeah. That's it. But he's been an OC all the way back to 2003 in Jacksonville. So he's... He's yeah. He's done it. Um, yeah, that's true. He's done the job, and we if, all know we all know that NFL uh, coaching jobs are all meritocracy, and certainly not <laughs> due to like nepotism or name cachet or anything like who you know or whatever. No, nothing like that. But it, I mean, it, I'm I, just gonna... I'm dumping on a guy, and I couldn't tell you what offense he runs. Like, I have no idea, zero. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you you've you've had an OC title at. Carolina at uh, Virginia, mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. Jacksonville, uh, at the Vikings, uh, mm-hmm. at the Raiders, and at the Broncos. So I mean, it's he's done it. I mean, it's it's been around. But yes, will it be? And I don't know if you need to run that if you're a Cal. And maybe because there's going to be a defensive oriented kind of team. Uh, they got Chase Carver's coming back. They got I think the offensive line is all going to be coming back. They always seem yeah. to run the ball pretty well. I mean, I don't know. It just depends what you – you had the the offense, the the kind of college-y, gimmicky, got, you know, guy from F, FCS school come in, and that just didn't work. So maybe they're trying something different. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know really what Bo Baldwin was running there. I mean, it certainly didn't look like – I don't know. It didn't look like up-tempo spread, which is really what we're talking about when we talk about, uh, you know, gimmicky college offenses. So yeah. I, I really don't know. I, I mean, it could work out. Um, I'm always very skeptical of lifer NFL coaches coming down to college and especially on the offensive end. 
Um, it just never seems to work out. Is uh, it weird that I think of him as a college guy, though, because you know because him from college? Because he played at Oregon like <laughs> 25 years ago? Exactly. It's so weird. Um, but so And so the, the latest, when, when he was in, in Denver, uh, they fired Mike McCoy. He took over. And so they were 6-10 and 10 that year. It wasn't great. They were better at running the ball than passing the ball. They were uh, 12th in rushing yards and 19th in passing yards. Um, and then when they brought in, uh, uh, Vic Fangino, they didn't, uh, retain Musgrave, but I, I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't remember enough about like his offenses, but, uh, you know, back in the Raiders, they said his offense, uh, ranked last in the NFL in total offense. So that's probably good, right? 31st in scoring in 2014. I, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, it's, Look, thirty first in scoring, thirty second in total offense. That they're just they're they're much better. They have a comparative advantage at at you know getting the ball in the end zone yeah. compared to just moving it. So that's <laughs> something. But I, I yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. I just when I don't remember like oh this is a Bill Musgrave offense. I don't remember it being some kind of collegey kind of thing. I think it's more of an NFL style. Maybe that's you know what Cal's looking for. But he does have a ton of experience. Uh, this is a little bit different higher than a Bo Baldwin, so we'll see what uh, what that does for, for Cal. Very exciting. Very exciting yeah. news. Uh, USC still needs a defensive coordinator. Um, you know, hearing some names UCL, out there. UCLA has one that they, they'd probably be willing to part with. Yeah, is what's going – so – so you, if you want to use Jerry as an arrow, I mean, you could probably get it pretty cheap. And But he is still being retained at this point. I mean, he hasn't been fired. Um, well, Wade Phillips is on the, the, you know, he's, he's out there too. Uh, the Rams are not bringing him back. So, well, if you want to pass up, a, you can't pass up a Wade Phillips, 72 year old guy. You want him? Um, I, I just love that. Like it's, it's never like there's another option. It's always like what used retread are we going to get now? It's, uh, it's he it really tweet, like, he tweeted like, Hey, I still want to, you know, he still wants to coach. So it's like. Hey, I don't, I don't blame him. The guy still wants to work. Hell, I, I, I want to coach. It's a yeah. great gig. How much money do you make for doing what? For for yeah. calling plays in a game, like a just a game. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's well, I tweeted. So I tweeted out like when uh, you know I think Lindsay Theory broke the news that she that uh, he wasn't coming back, and I tweeted, "Well, now LA needs two defensive coordinators, something along those lines." And one of your UCLA fan tweeted at me and and was like. We're hoping for three, you know, because obviously want, they might, they want to make a change at UCLA as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't see why. I mean, yeah. it was it was only like it was only one of the worst defenses UCLA's ever had. It probably wasn't the actual worst. Yeah. So, I mean, that's good. Yeah. Uh, what mm-hmm. else you got? What else you want to talk about? Let's talk about uh, NFL entries. Okay. Um, so UW's lost some guys. I think relatively expected in some respects. Um, so running back Saban Ahmed, um, Hunter Bryant, tight end and quarterback Jacob Eason have all announced for the NFL. The one that kind of threw me a little bit was Eason. Um, yeah, he really didn't have a spectacular year. Um, and I haven't, I don't know. I, I mean, I, there's obviously some real talent and ability there, but I, he wasn't really jumping off the screen to me this year. Um, like even from just like the tools standpoint, I mean, he's got an arm. It's better than Jake Browning's, but it wasn't like, oh man, this guy's throwing lasers out there. Um, no, I, I was kind of uh, that one kind of 
blew me away. It made me think that that was maybe a preordained decision where he was just, no matter what, he was going to play his year at UW and then be gone. Yeah. Um, but I thought that one was, that one was curious. Um, and I guess Ahmed leaving too early is, like, is a little bit weird. Yeah. Um, but running backs, I get it because the shelf life, you don't want to take too many hits in college because you've only got so many earning years. Um, and I think he'll, he'll make a squad. Um, and Hunter Bryant made sense. I mean, he was, he was unstoppable for parts of the year. Yeah, it was, it was just kind of weird for me. And, uh, I mean, I don't know if we owe Jake Browning an apology, but we really thought the offense would look so much better just with a more athletic quarterback in there. And maybe that wasn't the problem. I don't know. I mean, there was probably probably was an issue. But Jake Browning, you know, did some stuff to make that offense go. Um, and I think they could have used a little bit of that. Now, they, I think there's things that Jacob Eason brought to it that, you know, Browning couldn't do. But it just – for whatever reason, it wasn't as it should have been a lot better, I think. Um, and yeah, Ahmed, that, that kind of surprised me. Uh, but he's got some of those breakaway long touchdowns. I think he's got some pretty good highlights already. So I mean, he'll probably test pretty well. I think he he's a, I mean, I think he's going to have like a good forty time and stuff. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, three. I mean, three pretty big names from that uh, Washington offense that underperformed this year. Yeah. Um, from another underperforming offense, uh, UCLA had tight end Devin Asiasi, uh declare for the NFL draft. Um, he had a he was probably UCLA's second best receiver this year, um, was certainly their most explosive threat. I mean, in terms of, you know, getting yards per catch. So that's a big blow, but probably expected. And then Darnay Holmes uh, today, um, I think Tracy broke the news, actually, that he would be a declaring uh for the nfl draft um he's i think he got a grade back that was good enough from the evaluators so they'll be breaking in a new star cornerback and a new tight end next year what was there there was transfer portal rumors with him anyway right or something or was that was that the big i can't that was remember last that was. that was last off season and last it was off really season, okay. i i don't know how much if if anything there was to those rumors uh, okay legitimately uh but yeah, I mean, he was uh, coming into school. That was always the expectation that he'd be three and done. Um, so this isn't a big shock. He didn't have a great junior year, but he was dinged up, um, which can for some guys that can provide even more impetus to leave. If you've you know sustained some college injuries, it kind of puts your you know it puts your perspective back on things. It's not worth it to take some real injuries when you're not getting paid. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's see. Oh, we, for Utah. Uh, was it? I think we already talked about. Was it? I think Jalen Johnson, right? That he was. I I keep forget. Was he a senior? Or did he leave early? I, th- I think he was a senior. Okay. Um. But there was. And then ja- Javelin Gidry. Yeah, the nickel the nickel back. He's going. Uh, he's declaring early too. Um, yeah. So he'll be leaving. Uh, as well. So a couple hits to the Utah secondary. Yep. And, and then uh, we got to talk a little recruiting real quick. Uh. Things kind of, you know, a few more commits came in with the all-star games and stuff where players uh, made their declarations. Some of them had already signed in the early signing period. You can only sign, this year it was December 20th through 22nd, I believe, if that was the, it was, you know, late December. Then uh, after that, if you, you can't sign, but some players signed and they wanted to declare. And so then they pop back in the rankings or they just haven't signed yet, but they committed during the All-Star Games, but ASU uh, really helped themselves. Uh, I think, believe it was three players at the at the All-American Bowl in San Antonio. Uh, USC picked up one, but ASU and Oregon really dominated. You know, they 
you know, big moves there. But as far as the state of California goes, um, Arizona State signed more of the top 30 players in California than the rest of the Pac-12 South combined. So considering that consi- that includes USC and UCLA, pretty impressive uh, from Herm Edwards to, to close like that. Well, look at, the, I mean, look at this class in terms of just thinking about Jaden Daniels, one of the better young quarterbacks in the league, and now looking at what he's going to be working with. Um, so they ended up getting one, two, three, four, four, four-star right wide receivers. Um, and I think one, two, three, four, all four of whom are from California. Um, so basically the best receivers in California are all going to ASU for the most part. Yeah. Um, that's dominating and that's, it, it matches it kind of, obviously they probably use Jaden Daniels in recruiting quite a bit. Like, Hey, you get to catch balls from this guy who's, you know, as a true freshman doing X, Y, and Z. Um, but this is such good marrying what you're doing in recruiting to what you have on the field to kind of match things up. Um, you know, getting that kind of receiving talent when you've got a quarterback who's going to be coming into his prime now, uh, sophomore year and then junior year. Um, yeah, that ASU could be good, like really good here very soon if if they get um, some of these guys going pretty quickly offensively because um, that defense should be better next year. It's, um, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's a very exciting class for ASU. It is. So ASU ends up moving up four spots. So they're number four. Right now, they have uh, eight four-stars and uh, ten three-stars just behind Stanford, who had uh, two more commits. So, I mean, that's basically the difference there. Oregon took over the number one spot. Um, They have two five-stars and seven four-stars. Washington uh, had the number one spot just behind Oregon, uh, one five-star and nine four-stars. And Arizona is now the the bottom team. USC got one commitment, a four-star in the All-American Bowl, so... Uh, he had actually signed, uh, you know, in the early signing period, but they moved. USC moves up to number ten. And USC number is f- surging. Yeah, surging. Number fifty-six in the country, but it's now uh, Arizona, unfortunately, at the uh, at the bottom uh, of the Pac-12 rankings. But it was really interesting to see USC sitting there for quite a while. Uh, but they did get that one. Uh, four, you know, they have one consensus four-star on the uh, on the roster, so that's uh, that's how they moved up a couple spots. Yeah, and, and a quick shout out to Colorado um, for landing the 33 class in the country so far. Uh, we'll see if they close with yeah. the other guys, but um, landing Jason Harris. Uh, that was the one I alluded to last week or two weeks ago when we talked, um, who had basically already signed with Colorado but was waiting to announce. Well, he's now a uh, done deal, four star defensive end. That's a big get. So. Really good class for Colorado. Um, really good start for Mel Tucker. Um, we'll see if they can build on this. Yeah, so uh, interesting recruiting aspects uh, in the Pac-12, and uh, we'll see where things go from here. Um, do you want to jump in and do our uh... Pac-12 roundup? I'd love nothing more. Well, because we got six games to uh, to recap, and uh, I got the you know the last show we did, I was like on uh, on a on my laptop with a little headset uh, <laughs> up in a my mom's bedroom uh, back in Pennsylvania. I mean, uh, yeah. in uh, Massachusetts back in the studio. Now I got the soundboard. If we wanted to have some fun things, dumb, dumber, <laughs> dumbest. just in case we got all the stuff we need to, but uh, the first one up. So these were a uh, couple games on uh, Friday, December 27th. First game included USC Trojans. 
And Iowa, the Hawkeyes. Um, so just like fair warning, everyone. Um, these games took place, what is this now, 10 days ago? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, my More my than short term. My yeah. short term, the gap between my short term and my long term memory is about like several months, and my <laughs> short term memory goes away after three days. So I don't remember anything in between that period. I'll I'll again remember the USC Iowa game in about six months. Um, here's what I recall: uh, Iowa didn't have a super explosive day offensively, but they were like really annoyingly efficient. Um, and Keaton Slovis got hurt. And that pretty much doomed USC um, because Matt Fink, look, love Matt Fink. He, he really can't play at this level. Um, and I know he had a nice game earlier this year, but he really can't play against a good defense like Iowa has. And so they blew him out, 49-24. You talk about the game. Yeah, uh, so Iowa had the number, I think it was 99th ranked scoring offense. Uh, they had a, a elite secondary, like a top 15 secondary. They had given up like, uh, I think, 11 passing touchdowns all year or something. Something silly like that. Uh, the most points they'd given up all year was 24. They averaged like 13 points a game. The, the three teams they lost to were all highly ranked Big Ten teams and whatever. But it wasn't known as an offensive juggernaut, but they played good defense. They won close games. They go out, Dave, and score five straight touchdowns on USC. And they were like 15 play, six minute drives. USC got the ball once in the first quarter. Um, so it was one of those things where, and they were converting long third downs and it just was like, and so, yeah, Iowa was scoring at will on this USC defense. Uh, they gave up a, um, and, and you know, USC was still losing when Keaton Slovis got hurt, but they, you know, they'd given up a, a, kickoff return for a touchdown but USC scored and then did this kind of a sneak onside kick that worked really well the kicker jumps on the ball and it looked like USC had all the momentum back uh and then Slovis goes down Matt Fink comes in and it just it just didn't work from there USC scored 24 points which was the most Iowa had given up all year but Iowa kept scoring uh they got a pick six in there and it ended up being 49 to 24 a 25-point beatdown, but really it was kind of like Iowa's strategy was we're going to take the ball and we're going to keep it for six minutes and we might be at midfield and then we'll punt. But it was like it's, you had your cake and you ate it too because they, they kept the ball for six minutes, but they scored a touchdown. Like It's sort of like your kind of goal is keep the ball for six minutes and maybe kick a field goal, and then the USC offense didn't have it for that long. It was like double that because they would keep the ball that long and then they would score a touchdown and USC had no answer for it. So yeah. I, I would just thoroughly beat them down. Yeah. So Iowa's first two touchdown drives took a combined, essentially took a combined quarter of the game. <laughs> uh, it took a combined 15 minutes and then one touchdown they had in the second, in the second half, I think it was the third quarter, uh, took seven minutes and 20 seconds. Uh, to go 14 plays and 90 yards. Those are murderous. Um, and yeah, the, so it's all coming back to me now. It's like that Celine Dion song. Um, you got Somehow that USC defense made Nate Stanley look like a friggin' All-American. Oh, I don't yeah. know that I'd heard of Nate Stanley before this game. 
He was like a 55% passer or something. Yeah, he's he's been he's been there forever. He's like a system guy. Like he's now 3 and 0 in bowl games in his career. But just sort of like that guy, let you know, hands the ball off, makes some throws sometimes. Yeah. yeah, that was that was really cool. And so it's really kind of like this game was weird because there also was like obvious mismatches for USC um in the passing game that they were able to take advantage of but somehow weren't able to score more than 24 points. Like there wasn't a single person on Iowa's in Iowa's entire secondary that could cover Amon Ross St. Brown. He probably could have had 400 yards receiving in this game. Why did they only get on the ball nine times? Yeah, hard to say. Um, there was a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a. a, a it was a really egregious beatdown. It looked um, it looked like when USC had the ball, like, hey, they can't be stopped, but somehow they they would. But because Iowa never got stopped, it sort of put pressure there where you just had to you had to score every time. Um and if you weren't gonna score every time, you were just gonna fall behind. So they caught up a, one of those scores by the onside kick and they, they built some momentum there. But then once Slovis uh, you know, went down, it just you know, we never saw that Matt Fink magic that he beat utah with um so yeah it's just uh he had that one magical game that kind of ruined it for the pac-12 that usc beat utah but uh he has he didn't he wasn't able to remake that since how can you expect a team like usc a gutty squad of underachievers to match up against the speed of iowa like how can you expect it when you think of iowa you think speed i mean just you think just <laughs> that, that is the indelible image of that game is like one iowa player just running away from usc players like what was that the kickoff return or was that uh i forget whatever the guy, I, I forget his name now he uh yeah he um there's a he returned the kickoff for a touchdown wasn't really touched uh Caught a touchdown and ran. Was it caught a touchdown and ran for a touchdown? So yeah, and he almost threw just, a touchdown. Yeah, he almost scored four different ways. So he sprinting away from USC. It's so cool. Yeah, but he had a rushing touchdown, a receiving touchdown, kickoff return, and then threw a pass that like just like should have. It was a wide open guy. It was like a trick play. Should have had a passing touchdown too. So I, I've got such a bias against like all Big Ten teams. It's like I think that they're like all of the all of the players have like hooves. Like they've just got like cement feet. Like I, I don't know what it is. Of course he's fast. He's a college player, but it's like, why is this guy faster than the entire USC team? <laughs> yeah, so not a good showing for. And uh, as far as the picks go, uh, USC was getting two points. I took the Trojans, which I never do, just because Dave picked Iowa, and I got it wrong. So Dave got that one right. Yep. Yeah. Fun. Uh, all right, next up, and we have two different um, sounds we can play, but I got to play the one that's uh, not as, um, I don't know, I'll just play it for you. We First, we got Washington State Cougars. And Air Force. Yeah. The Falcons. Yeah. Ah! Um, so Air Force beat Washington State 31-21. Uh Really, really odd game. Um, Wazoo, how many friggin' times did they fail on fourth down in like the red zone or within the five? Uh, Let's see. They were two of five on fourth down for the game. Yeah. So, so their first drive, they went eight plays, um, 71 yards, and then they had a fourth and goal at the Air Force two, um, didn't convert. 
Later on, they did much the same thing. This was in the third quarter. They had eight plays, 75 yards. They had the ball at the Air Force five on a fourth and two, didn't convert. Later on, even past that, they had the ball at, well, this was a fourth and 23. So they didn't convert that one too. But they also, they had two plays within the Air Force five where they weren't able to convert. Um, and it was a 10 point game. Like, that's that's entirely swinging the game. Now, should it have been that close? No. It was a typical Mike Leach coach bowl game, which is they clearly didn't take it at all seriously whatsoever. Have, have What is Mike Leach's record in a bowl game? Did they announce that on the telecast? I don't remember. Um, I don't think it's great. This this one yeah. kind of felt like, uh, you know, the, the bully at recess just, like, taking the ball and keeping it away and, like, you couldn't get the ball back. Uh Air Force just kept the ball and they just kept running. Um, can we talk about can we talk about their opening touchdown drive? Because you could write uh, a book about it. Are you talking you mean not the 20 play one, right? Is that the one you want to talk about? 20 plays, <laughs> 98 yards, 12 and a half minutes. <laughs> Nations have risen and fallen in that time. You take the ball from your own two and just option somebody to death across the field and score a touchdown. They should have just ended the game right then. They should have just, nope, sorry, we're done. When when that stuff's working, it's like, oh, no, I don't want to play against this. Not at all. Um, wow, that was stunning. And then they had another one. At some point, you just let it happen. Like, you're just like, uh, you know what? I'm not going to, like, give up. You're at the 25. I'm not going to give up two more first downs before you get this touchdown. Just I'm going to let you score right now, and I'm going to get the ball back and just just to walk away. Yeah, and I mean the next drive was it was almost as bad. It's just they they finally stopped him at the ten. Otherwise, it would have been another ten minute drive. Uh, but they went fifteen plays, sixty five yards for a field goal. I mean, and that took seven minutes. Yeah, uh, there were in the total happens, there were four touchdown drives of at least ten plays uh, and sixty yards, six minutes. I mean, that's four drives that were over ten plays that scored touchdowns on, and plus that long field goal one you were talking about. I mean, it's insane. Was was Washington State aware that they were playing against a service academy? <laughs> I don't know if they pre- prepared for this. Uh, time of possession, 43 minutes, 24 seconds, which was a Cheez-It Bowl record. Cheez-It Bowl's always got something neat going on. There wasn't the shitload of interceptions this game, but when one team holds the ball for three quarters of it, it's pretty nuts, you know? Like three quarters of the game, they had the ball. Fully crazy, and Wazoo just kept doing the thing where they would drive down. Like if they had just if they had just converted on those two, where they had it within the five, they still would have won the game. Uh, but just they couldn't do it. And you know, it, it's I thought you know Washington State I thought had an advantage um, in the receiving game just because I thought their receivers would be you know kind of bad matchups for Air Force guys. But that Air Force defense played tough, and they were like tackling guys really hard um it was very it was very service academy um and that was it did not look like washington state wanted any part of this game um should shout out uh brandon arcanado um he was you know his usual self really good in this one um anthony gordon was fine um but just yeah they were they were just not able to convert in the red zone and that really ended it for them and the fact that their defense just did not look in any way prepared for um, service academy offense. Was that was pretty egregious? Yeah, uh, Leach uh, seven and eight in bowl games all time. I don't know what he is at Washington State, but seven and eight uh, as a head coach all time. 
Um, yeah, I said he was two of five on uh, two of five on fourth downs. Max Borgie, he had six carries. <laughs> like he got the ball, he got to carry the ball six times. Gordon was sacked twice. That's it. They had eight non passes. <laughs> you know, so and two of them were going to be passes that end up being sacks. But only three total punts in this game. Five total penalties. It basically was just like. Air Force grabbed the ball and would take forever and score somehow, and then Washington State would get the ball. It just was the weirdest. It's a cheese it bowl. There's always going to be something very strange, but it it looked like one team knew what was coming, and the other one uh, was just it was like blindsided by like, oh wait, like you you woke up for a test that you didn't know you had, like that nightmare you have, like you yeah. you, you wake up and oh, that we have an exam today. Uh, Washington State didn't look like that they had an exam that day. They didn't know they were playing a bowl that day. Exactly. So that's a rough one, but we both got that one wrong. Uh, it was a Washington State was getting three points, and uh, I the, I thought the first drive looked great. I'm like, okay, Washington State's going to score. This will be this will be good. And I, I feel like if Washington State got that early lead, it it would help. Then there, you put a little pressure on the team that tries to run and and you know and uh, hold the ball and play four corners and stuff. But getting stopped at the two, that just that didn't help. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, next up, we have a team we already talked about a little bit with the coaching stuff. California Golden Bears. They don't need an offensive coordinator because they've got the MVP of the league, Chase Garbers, uh, coming back. Yep. I'm not telling any lies right now. Uh, Cal whooped up on Illinois 35-20. Um, is this one you got right? I think it was. This is the one I got right. Yeah, the Cal was favored by six and a half. Yeah, I did. I doubted. I doubted the uh, the the Garbers, and that was a mistake. Uh, Chase Garbers was a stud in this game. Uh, twenty two of thirty one for four touchdowns, two hundred seventy two yards. Um, yeah, Cal won this game really with its offense. Um, they scored uh, five touchdowns, and you know limited Illinois to more field goals, but it was really one on the offensive end because. Frankly, the Cal defense did allow a ton of yardage to Illinois. Um, you know, they were, I think Illinois actually ended up outgaining them by quite a bit, um, obviously on, on more plays. And, and a lot of it was like end of half stuff that was, you know, only semi-relevant. Um, but this was really a good performance by Garbers. Um, really a nice showing from that offense just generally. Was Bo Baldwin back? Was he still coaching for this one or he, had he moved on? No, he still coached. Yeah. My understanding. Well, what a was, swan yeah. song. What yeah. a swan song. Just incredible. I mean, it like I was joking like with the Chase Garber stuff, but like it's like legit. Like when he plays more than half the game, they haven't lost like this year. It's crazy. They're like six and yeah. oh or seven oh or something. Yeah, no, total stud. Um yeah, and this one, I, I they were I thought Cal's defense kind of knuckled up um when it got you know, they were allowing Illinois to kind of move the ball between the 20s for the most part, uh, but they were getting more stops in the red zone. And really just the fact that they limited Illinois to field goals instead of touchdowns and Cal's offense was just able to move and move and move. Um, they even ran the ball pretty well. This was a balanced Cal attack. I mean, Christopher Brown had, I think, 100. Yeah, he had 120 yards on 20 carries, um, but they were moving the ball on both ends. So um, really nice win for Cal. Good way to end the year. Uh, finishing out eight and five. Not a bad year, especially considering the MVP was out for what was it, six games, five games? Yeah, I mean Something every like game he lost, they lost. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's it was. I mean, 
I, I really like the way they kind of came together. I'm curious to see what this offense will look like. But like we said before, Garbers is back. I think the whole offensive line is back. Um, they got some skill guys back. Chris Brown, you mentioned him. I think he had a huge day. Uh, Garbers was throwing not just – I mean, he was throwing bombs. And uh, there were some really big plays. The, uh, the key one to me, it was uh, Cal's up 14-10. to 10, And I think they had fourth and goal from the three. And, you know – Thought they would uh, kick a field goal or whatever. David Wood style, they went for it. Um, and uh, they got a pass interference that got them. They were they got a pass interference that got them down to first and goal from the two. Uh, but then had a little, you know, fourth and goal from the three, a little swing pass to Brown for the touchdown. They put him up 21-10, and it was a really huge play. Uh, you know, 21-10 was a big difference than like 17-10. to 10. So uh, I thought that was kind of a ballsy call. And uh, I Cal was out there like to offense um, and Garbers was not just like throwing the intermediate passes. He was throwing deep balls down the field and they ran the ball well. So it was a, it was a great showing uh, against a, an Illinois team that had some big wins and some terrible losses, but Cal could have been a victim and, and they weren't in the Red Box Bowl. Pretty exciting. Yeah. So uh, good stuff. We'll see what Cal, you know, what holds holds there. But, you know, like you said, uh, eight, eight and five, right? Eight and five on the season. That's pretty good. Uh, for Cal, we'll see. It was a weird Pac-12 North. You know, did maybe didn't shake out the way we thought, but you know, Cal was right there. So uh, we'll see where they go going forward. All right, we got two more uh, left. Next one, uh, not a great showing for the Pac-12 in this one. We had Utah Utes. Yeah. Uh, so this one kind of went, I think the way I was expecting, did you pick against me in this one? I pick against you and I, I gave you the analysis of why I shouldn't pick against you. Yeah. My, so my, my analysis was Utah struggles against athletes and what is, uh, what is Texas? What have? is Texas? But athletes. Yes. Um, yeah. So Texas did out athlete Utah and just beat the ever living piss out of them. Uh, 38, 10, uh, Texas one. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think there was a lot of commentary from the Utah folks after the game that they kind of went into it not uh, maybe a little bit let down after the Rose Bowl or after the Pac-12 championship game and then also treating the week like a a bit like a vacation. I think Tyler Huntley sent something like said something like that. That's just hard like when Alabama does it or Georgia does it, fine. But you you it's not like you've won the Pac-12. It's not like you're, you know, we got, we were, uh, we went to the Rose Bowl last year. Now we got to go to the Alamo Bowl. It's like, no, I mean, I, I don't think you can do that, you know? Yeah, well, definitely not. And they looked like absolute ass doing it. Um, so don't do that again. Um, <laughs> weren't able to move the ball. They weren't able to move the ball at all. Um, offensively, uh, running the ball, they were bad. Throwing the ball, they were bad. Uh, it was really bad. And then defensively, I mean, Texas was. <laughs> they crushed him. I mean, they ran the ball all over him. Uh, Sam Ellinger was really good. Um, he, you know, did his usual tough running, uh, but also threw the ball pretty well. Um, no, this was this was comprehensive. Um, Utah very clearly didn't come to play, um, and that's kind of all she wrote. I mean, I, this game really didn't. I mean, it was ten nothing at half, so you still kind of felt like Utah had a chance, but it really didn't feel that way. And then the second half was all blowout. Um, Texas outscored them 28, 10 in the second half. So um, yeah, bad, bad way to finish the year. It shouldn't, you know, completely take away from the fact that it was a really good um, year for Utah. Um, But 
overall, um, you know, a disappointing way to end it. No bueno. I mean, it, you know, it's not like Texas had this amazing year. Uh, Utah didn't even score a point in the first half. I mean, to, to get shut out in the is first that, half. Is that bad? It was bad. It, I don't know. Just watching this, I think you kind of knew early. Like one of those things. That's I mean, bowl games are weird sometimes. If it's a game in the middle of the season and someone's going to lay an egg, maybe you don't expect it. But for bowl games, you just don't know. It's like you're you're. It's like opening up a gift uh, as a kid, and you're like, oh, it feels like it could be something really cool or socks, you know. And you don't know. And uh, then you open it up, and you're like, you can tell right away. Oh, these are socks. It's like when you started to watch this game, it's like Utah had socks. Like you could tell there's uh, they they don't got this. And I I don't know what it was. You just could you could kind of tell early. I don't think this is going to happen. It was only 10 nothing at halftime, but you didn't feel like it was going to get better. And obviously it, it got a lot worse. Yeah. It, it just it really kind of just a crappy way to end the year. Um, and it'll, it's going to spark a bunch of obnoxious talk about Texas for next year. I don't think it really proves anything about Texas except that they underachieved this year. That's yeah. Really it. But they are, I mean, that's a talented team. Uh, they got athletes all over the place. And for whatever reason, we just saw Utah, struggle in in many of those cases now you know they were uh able to beat you know uh, you know washington team on the road and uh you know that's a team that has athletes but you know outside of that look at you know who they when they played at usc uh they end up losing to a third string quarterback but a team with athletes you know um they did beat the crap out of asu at home and that's a team that's got some decent athletes but you know the most athletic teams oregon uh usc washington uh, and then Texas in the bowl game, you know, you lost three out of those four. So after, you know, uh, an 11 and one start, uh, I don't know, maybe it's different if they're, they're able to beat USC and they're, they are 12 and 0 going into there. You know, I mean, they, I, it doesn't look good that they would, uh, you know, still wouldn't have beat Oregon, but you know, maybe you would have some, some better momentum, but that, that Oregon beat down sort of didn't give them any momentum for the, uh, Alamo bowl, but, uh, and, and, you know, Kyle Whittingham has a really great bowl record, but uh, you know I think they lost their last two, right? So that's not that's not a good sign. No, definitely not good. Yeah, they lost the uh, Northwestern in the Holiday Bowl uh, the previous year. So yeah, uh, so that wasn't a that wasn't a great showing for the Pac-12. So what that did, um, David, I don't know if you know this, put a lot of pressure on a big one, uh, a big bowl game that was left. Uh, so the last one, the last bowl game of the 2019 season. And it was actually played in uh, 2020. Was Oregon Ducks? Can I tell you what you just did? What I do? You skipped ASU Florida State. Son of a! Oh, wait, I did. Yeah, you sure did. Oh my god! Well, that's good. Say, hey, that's okay. I'm on flu medication. Um, <laughs> <laughs> those were both on the same day. <laughs> yeah, Florida State was on the same day as uh, as Utah Texas. Why did I go right to Utah, Texas and not Florida State, Arizona State? No, it's fine. I mean, they're the same day. I think they're the same time. Okay, well, I didn't mean to spoil anyone, but Oregon played in the Rose Bowl. But we're not going to talk about that first. Let's go first. You know, we got to go to the Arizona State Sun Devils. (laughs) I think everyone would have consented to us not talking about this game. Um, This was hideous. (laughs) Like... The first half, I mean, the whole game was hideous, but the first half was, it was a masterpiece. It was almost Cheez-It Bowl-esque, like Cheez-It Bowl last year. Um, so the 
so it went let's let's just do the play by play. I know we're stealing a bit almost here, but let's let's just do it. Fumble for ASU, interception for Florida State, punt for ASU, missed field goal for Florida State, punt for ASU, fumble for Florida State. Then a field goal for ASU, but a field goal where they got the ball back at the Florida State 13, lost nine yards, and then kicked the field goal. (laughs) Then a Florida State punt, then an ASU fumble, then a Florida State punt, then finally ASU drives the ball 84 yards to the Florida State 7, where they kick a field goal. Then (laughs) Then a Florida State interception, then another ASU field goal, then a Florida State punt, ASU punt, Florida State punt, ASU end of half. And then as if that wasn't enough, they opened the the second half with punt, 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 punt. <laughs> um, I started watching this one at home and then I was meeting uh, somebody for lunch. Uh, and it's this sort of started my uh, New Year's Eve uh, festivities, I guess you could say, uh, down on the Hermosa Beach Pier, kind of watching it and seeing, you know, I in this one, uh, Arizona State was favored by four. You picked ASU, I picked Florida State. And to watch ASU fumble on the very first play of the game. So the first play of the game is a fumble. You're like, oh, wow, this is great. FSU gets all the way down. Florida State gets down to the one-yard line. And then they try to throw some wanky pass and get intercepted. So not only do they not score, they throw a pick and go the other way. Uh, next time they, Florida State gets a the ball, they get their field goal blocked. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like At, at that point, you're like, okay, ASU is winning this game. But then... It really looked like Florida State. They would they take the lead. It was uh, fourteen to nine uh, in the third quarter, and then Arizona State scores eleven points in the uh, in the final period to to get the win. So I thought I at least had the cover at this point because the way they were scoring, when Florida State got a couple of touchdowns in the third quarter, I thought it was over. And somehow Arizona State figured out a way to win at the end, and not only win but cover. Yeah, frankly, ASU was dog shit in this game. Uh, I mean, they were not good. Florida State, I think they almost doubled them up in total yardage. It's just they kept tripping over their own feet constantly. Um, and ASU wasn't immune to that at all. I'm not saying that. But, I mean, it wasn't like this This wasn't even particularly evenly played. Florida State was driving constantly and then would just make critical error, critical yeah. error, critical error. Um, and ASU capitalized. I mean, it was very Hermball. I mean, they were. This was a one-score game. Let's make absolute note of the fact that this was a one-score game. Um, but ASU did have thirteen uh, first downs, at least. You know, that was to Florida State's <laughs> twenty-one. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, but, and but the the thing that I would take away, and I think the solace for ASU besides winning the actual game, is this was all done without the top receiver and the top running back from the entire year, Brandon Ayuk and, you know, Benjamin. Uh, this was very much Jaden Daniels just kind of having to make some things happen. He struggled, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, but it was kind of a preview of, okay, this is what he's going to have to do some different things next year um, to make this all work. Cause they're not going to have, you know, Benjamin, they're not going to have um, Brandon Ayuk. And, you know, we just talked about all the receivers they've got coming in. They need them, <laughs> but uh, you know, the fact that they were able to, um, you know, eke out a win against what still is a talented, if very flawed Florida state team. I mean, that's, that's good considering they were playing without their two best offensive players outside of Jaden Daniels. Yeah. The, and the issue that, I mean, when I, I knew that going in, I knew the Arizona state side, I didn't realize that Florida state basically had the same kind of thing. Like there was a bunch of key guys that weren't going to play in the bowl game. I was like, ah, crap. 
And then, you know, because I picked Florida State and you're just looking at your picks. And then when Florida State's, you know, drives and things like that, you're like, oh, they're looking good. And then they didn't. But to turn the ball over six times, they lost They lost four fumbles or they, had, they fumbled four times, lost two of them, threw four, four interceptions, four interceptions <laughs> blocked field goal. Um, I mean, they outrushed Arizona State 224 to 87. That's 51 rushes. Uh, more passing yards. They had 50 more passing yards. Um, it, it was just, it was just the mistakes and the mistakes just kept happening. Uh, it was crazy. I mean, time of possession was about the same. Uh, they had a few more penalties and stuff, but those turnovers were, were costly and it just looked, yeah, it was one of those things where you just kind of like turning it off. You're like, I don't, I don't think I really want to watch this anymore. Uh, but as you made the plays at the end to win. So I gotta, you gotta give Herm, uh, Herm Edwards credit. Yeah, you sure do. And whatever. It was an eight and five year. Good job, ASU. Um, and let's just never speak of this football game again. Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, but I think it was an important win for the Pac-12. It was a win that I don't, I think the Pac-12 doesn't get that win all the time. Um, you know, getting outplayed in a bowl game like that, but then, you know, being able to force the kind of turnovers they did, but man, Florida State just looked, they just <laughs> looked bad. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was, when you have a bunch of guys that aren't playing in the bowl game, it might look weird like that. It was, a, that was definitely a weird one. Oh Yeah. All right, so now we got to do the last one that I already mentioned, uh, the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. Oregon Ducks. Playing Wisconsin, uh, you went to this football game. I was in do you, person. Do you remember being there? I do now, yes, uh, <laughs> even with the flu medicine. I, this, so this was like, there was my uh, Sun Bowl, Alamo Bowl kind of going out early on new year's eve to like sort of it was sort of like a business-ish lunch like meeting someone from usc and kind of hanging out but then going out to meet some friends to watch football and and have some drinks and then that kind of kept rolling on rolling on way later than i meant it to be after the utah game and uh knowing i was going to go to the parade the rose parade in the morning which i invited david to go he could not attend so i brought another friend and you have to be up really, really early to go to the Rose Parade. Slept through my alarm. Uh, wake, woke up pretty hungover. <laughs> Had to go like, <laughs> oh, crap. Rushing to get there. Uh, like, Ubering. to. We, we got there. We, we got fine. I had to meet a couple other guys. Um, shout out to Art, who got me uh, Rose Bowl tickets. So it was nice of him. So we, uh, the four of us, uh, we all went to the Rose Bowl. We went to the parade, which was cool. Wasn't as cold as it was last year. Went to the... Uh, Went to the game, which was awesome, and uh, even better seats than we had last year. So hopefully, I'll remember it. And uh, it was neat. I mean, it was it was a cool experience. Uh, there was a lot of Wisconsin fans. There was a lot of Oregon fans. Seemed about even. They had a cool card stunt to start the uh, start the game, where they had the 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 you know the stealth bomber flyover and stuff. So oh, that was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, I put a couple tweet pictures up, and uh, the sunset was absolutely. Gorgeous! Uh, it was just, you know perfect day. People loved it. I mean, we we had I had too many clothes on because it was it was pretty warm by the time we got in there. But you know the parade it's kind of cold. Uh, but really great experience. I mean, it, every time people watch the Rose Bowl, the Rose Parade, and the Rose Bowl on TV, more people move to Los Angeles. Probably going to do the same thing again. But it was it was one of those perfect perfect days, and we end up having a, a really great game. Yeah, it was. Um... 
a really interesting game. Probably way more high scoring um, than like any of the like softer stats would indicate. Um, Oregon ended up winning 28-27. But a lot of that was Oregon kind of capitalizing on Wisconsin mistakes. Um, they scored on a fumble recovery touchdown um, where I think Wisconsin had it like the whatever their own. What did they have it at? Was it on a... That was like the Wisconsin 41, and Oregon recovered it for a touchdown. Um, and then later on, um, the go-ahead touchdown was scored immediately after a Wisconsin fumble where Justin Herbert ran it in uh, for a touchdown on one play, 30 yards. Um, yeah, the Brady, Brady legs, one was a 31, the Brady Breeze was a 31-yard fumble return. So that was the... Yeah. Yeah, in the third quarter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and then also Wisconsin missed a field goal in the first half. So it was Wisconsin, neither team was moving the ball particularly well. Wisconsin was probably moving it a little bit better, um, but they were having more mistakes. Um, and Oregon did a really nice job of capitalizing on those mistakes. Didn't do a great job of doing much else offensively. Um, but Justin Herbert's legs, I thought were the big, I mean, obviously he had three rushing touchdowns in this one. Um, they were the big difference maker, and it didn't seem like Wisconsin ever really had a great answer for them. Um, and Wisconsin's defense otherwise was really stout, really did a nice job of shutting down this efficiency-based Oregon rushing attack, um, but held them to 66 yards on 30 carries, um, which is, you know, Oregon likes to run the efficiency game. They're not a super explosive um, rushing attack, but that's still way below what they want to be. Um and uh, but yeah, it really came down to Oregon just doing a better job of capitalizing mistakes, and then one uh, very controversial offensive pass interference call. Yeah, that was a weird one. Uh, again, maybe this is the key, Dave. Uh, Thirteen first downs for Oregon. <laughs> so that's, you just Wisconsin. gotta hit that magic number. That magic number. <laughs> Wisconsin had eighteen. Um, now, if you add up, I don't, if, I'm not great at math, but 138 yards of you know passing. And then 60 yards of, uh, uh, I'm sorry, 66 yards of rushing. Like, you get over 200 yards of offense. That's pretty good, right? Isn't that like in the, the uh, analytics world? That's a lot, right? Wouldn't that be a whole that's, lot of offense? That's, that's the magic number to have actually had an offense that day. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you offensed. You attempted it. Uh, very, it's a weird day. And, you know, Third down efficiency wasn't great. Three of ten, you know, failed to convert on uh, the fourth down. Uh, Wisconsin had five five fourth down. I mean, uh, attempts and uh, converted four of five, so eighty percent on uh, fourth down. But for me, and like you come away with, you know, Herbert who was fourteen of twenty, one hundred thirty eight yards and a pick, uh, and that early pick sort of you know gave Wisconsin some momentum. You mentioned the three rushing touchdowns. I mean, I had people saying like, oh, yeah, Herbert, man, he showed the gamer he was and he's going to be a top pick in the draft. I just looked at him like, I mean, it's nice he ran for three touchdowns, but I want to see him like throw the the third and 15 and just complete the pass and and keep moving the chains and throw a couple touchdowns. He just didn't do it. I I don't know. I mean, maybe NFL scouts, you know, because he's got all the measurables and like he had that tenacity to, you know, especially that long touchdown run was great. But I don't. To me, I didn't come away thinking like, "Oh yeah, I think Justin Herbert's a surefire NFL quarterback." I don't know. What I've, you I've never watched a game of his where I thought that. So yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, I think he's a nice player. I think he should be drafted, but 
like top five pick, top ten pick. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and some, it um, seemed like some of the NFL people were like, "This sealed it." I'm like, "Really? Like, okay." I, I, I mean, I guess I didn't see it. Yeah, it just. I mean, it, look, if it, uh, confirmation bias and everything, and obviously I'm going to believe this regardless because I believe my own two eyes, but. NFL scout nobody I I think everyone has this impression that a lot of this is a science when it really isn't and these guys get prone to hype crap the same way any random fan on a message board gets prone to hype crap it's not it's not like it's this defined science or these guys are like super I mean some of them are some are really good at their jobs and in different areas but a lot of these front offices for different NFL teams are super prone to hype, super prone to making the what's perceived as the smart or safe or political move with who they hire or with who they draft. You know, they don't want to lose their jobs. So they want to be perceived as doing the smart thing, um, which is whatever the consensus is. And for whatever reason, there's been consensus around Justin Herbert for like almost two years now. Yeah. Uh, based off what like one or two good games to start not this year but last year because that's when the hype started his junior year um at the very beginning of that year um and i i I just i don't see it i mean i see a good player i mean i'm not trying to like knock him too hard but it's not I, i really don't get i don't even really get the first rounder stuff um but certainly not top 10 pick and i understand quarterbacks are a premium or whatever in the nfl so i guess draft him early but i i don't I, i've never really understood it from like a talent argument but then i never understood jared goff either and he went number one so who knows yeah and he's been pretty good i mean i i thought you know as far as jonathan taylor went i mean i he was fine he was 20 you know he averaged four and a half yards a carry 21 carries 94 yards i thought they definitely could have uh you know run him more uh, i'm not sure why they did but you know oregon did a you know pretty good job of it it just was a weird it just was a weird day where it just everything. There was always something a little bit wrong with everything, you know. And then there would be the big mistake, uh, the you know the fumble. Whatever. I mean, there you know three fumbles for Wisconsin, all of them recovered by uh, Oregon, and obviously the the big one, you know, being returned for a touchdown. You know, there's I don't know. There was just it was like twenty eight twenty seven. It could anything could have happened, and it, it you know it looked like times it would. Um, and it, and then just you know, it just didn't, and there would be like these little mistakes that would kind of disrupt things. So I, but you know, it wasn't like this showcase, like fun, you know, game where you're gonna, you know, we, we didn't have a total of 500 yards of offense in the whole game, right? So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, maybe we did, maybe we got got there barely. No, did you? No, I don't think so. Um, but it, yeah, it just wasn't like this o- offensive showcase that I thought we might see. Um, you know, I, I I thought we might see Herbert throw for 300 yards and and Taylor run for like, you know, 180 or something. But you know, that just didn't happen. But having you know Herbert run rush for three touchdowns was pretty interesting, and we saw him do that. Not rush for three touchdowns, but run the ball like he didn't all year uh, in the Pac-12 championship game. So it was, when he started doing that and getting a few carries early, you're like, okay, they're going to continue to do that. You know, let him run the football. He can be effective doing that. Uh, but I thought he'd be when he's running like that, I thought he would be that much more effective throwing the football, not throwing for 138 yards. Yeah, agreed, agreed entirely. Um, but yeah, it was, it was good. I mean, did you get to watch a lot, of, like a lot of it? Like it was, a, you know, New Year's Day kind of thing. Yeah, I was watching it. I, mean, um, I didn't watch any of the Rose Parade because that's 
Come on, dude. It was not a big parade guy. I'll be honest. It's pretty neat. I mean, it's a neat experience. I I've done it twice. I probably won't do it again. But you got to get up real early. And uh, I yeah, did... I I had to work the Rose Parade a couple of times when I was in high school. I was in um, one of the like not the Key Club, the other one, Interact, whatever it was. Um, the one through I think the Rotary. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but we would go and we would. I think we helped. I want to say I helped cut roses one year. And you just get there so friggin' early. Um, oh, wow. And I was doing it the night before. I, it was cool. It's a cool thing to be a part of. But um, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm I just. I'm not gonna sit there watching a bunch of floats float by. Not. Not my thing. Yeah, but that that 30 yard run. Uh, the you know the game winner. Um, that was pretty. Fast that was, parade. That was that was pretty special. Um, but. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's tough. Those Wisconsin fans, I think they felt like felt like they had it for a while. Uh and uh and then they just couldn't they couldn't get over the hump once Oregon took the lead there. But Yeah, don't don't fumble the ball three times. Yeah. Think about that. Think about not doing that and then maybe you'll win the game. The three fumbles were were pretty much uh killer, but yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's going to uh wrap up the season of recaps. Oh, this was yeah, this was we both got this one wrong, right? We both No, no, we both this going on the right. We both had Oregon and they were getting 3 points. So we both uh got that one correct. So, yay. Go us. Go um, us. Yeah, so he had uh, Justin Herbert had 10 career rushing touchdowns. 3 of them uh at the at the Rose Bowl. So that was pretty cool. Um, and Oregon's 204 yards is the fewest by any team in the Rose Bowl since 1979. Um, so that's uh, 204 total yards. That's not very good. Uh, and they, you know, plus three turnovers was a big deal. And they won the game. They did win. So that was uh, that was a big deal. All right. Well, that's the the Ducks. That's the rest of the uh, bowl games and stuff. I guess we should get to some questions. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I think you know what? We're let, starting... let, let's take a break. We're going to take a quick break first. We'll come back and we'll do the questions. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. How was your break? My break was good. How was your break? It was great. I uh, I peed. You know, it was fine. Uh, it's pretty good. That seems like a lot of information. Well, you know, while we were breaking, I decided <laughs> to go take a leak. Nice. I took some more flu meds, so maybe I'll uh, get a little even loopier than Who I knows? am. Yeah. Uh, All right. We so I think we ma- start with Sean. Yeah, he's outraged. He is outraged. He is outraged for some reason that we're going to find out right now. All right. This is from just Sean. Uh, Hi, Ryan and Sith Lord David. 
I will not divulge which Pac-12 team I passionately root for, but why in the epinephrine does David Woods hate David Sean Stanford so much? I think we found another Stanford fan. Yes, I love it. Yes. He has called us trash, garbage, and prognosticated that we will be ass next year. These are all in quotes, and these are all probably direct quotes. Uh, that sounds like me, right? That sounds like me. Um, yes. At least Ryan will acknowledge our Civil War-esque injury attrition we struggled with this year as a factor. To wit, we played six straight games with three true freshmen OL. We went through seven inside linebackers. Even our kicker, the venerable Jet Toner, went down with a season-ending knee injury, leaving our true freshman punter to kick for the love of Rick Neuheisel. David, you love your advanced metrics. According to SB Nation advanced metrics in this article, David Shaw is the sixth most overachieving coach in the country based on wins above expectancy and for coaches who have coached at least six of the last ten seasons. Check it here. Using statistics to determine college football's biggest coaching achieve overachievers and underachievers. And it's a link to football study hall. Um, so just Google out there, uh, college football coaching underachievers, overachievers 2019, and you'll find it. Uh, and finally, your most recent podcast spent a great deal of time focusing on the portal. Newsflash, grad school at Stanford is not easy to get into, David. Do some researching if you don't believe me. Colby Parkinson leaving for the draft. He is graduating, David. And very little time focused on the 20 to 22nd ranked recruiting class in the country. Without giving away my allegiances, what is up your sardonic, sardonic ass regarding Stanford, David? <laughs> um, I don't know, Sean. How many times in the last, say, I don't know, 11 years has Stanford beaten UCLA? If you're like looking for just one thing, like just one small thing. Um, beyond that, I mean, I get where you're coming from to an extent, but... If you look at the trend lines of Stanford, it's not looking good, buddy. And I, I say that as a friend. It's not looking great. Uh, Stanford's been on a downward tack now, I think, for five straight years. Is that what we were looking at last week? It was pretty bad. And it's um, just, I, I, you know, I think they're going to be maybe rebounding a little bit. But Colby Parkinson, he was a true junior, right? Am I wrong? I think he was, yeah. So tried the, yeah, the year he graduated. I saw the, yeah, like he graduated, but that's not. I mean, yeah, a lot of guys graduate. They're playing football, which means they're there all summer. So they're taking summer school. Most of these dudes are graduating after three or four years. Um, so even having graduated, I mean, you graduated with a Stanford degree. You're telling me you can't get into like their education grad program? Come on, <laughs> come on, buddy. Let's not let's not just buy hook, line, and sinker the like the party line on this. Um, there wasn't any real issue with guys graduating before. So why is it suddenly an issue now? Yeah. Just because there's a portal? No, come on. There's something going on here. Something's uh, going on. It, I mean, it was a really good recruited class uh, for sure. Uh, I think fifth now um, with, I think ASU passed them up, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think I believe that's what I saw there we were looking at. Uh, that was, you know, an hour ago. I can't remember what we were seeing and we we're talking about then. But I, you know, for me, I didn't want to. I picked Stanford to do better than David did going into the season. Uh, we've seen people try to predict the demise of Stanford, and that's always you get you always get it wrong. Then that's when David Shaw turned things around. But this is a this is a year it seemed to turn. Uh, Sean, I'm sorry about that, but it's not going in the right direction. I think you know there's there is some hope. You know, good recruiting class and things like that. But man, I, it's not. It's not looking good for me. I, I don't think I'm going to be picking them to be uh, a bowl team next year just from what I've seen this year. And, and maybe David Shaw will prove us wrong. 
but it it's not like like David said, it's just not going in the it doesn't seem like it's going in the right direction. Um I I'm gonna need to see something, some fight there, some some difference to get back to Stanford football because it just it didn't seem like anywhere close to what we when we see Stanford doing well, it just didn't seem anywhere near that. Yeah, and I, like I, I want to be clear right here. Stanford was worse than UCLA this year. Like, that's how bad it was. So you can't just blame injuries because they were worse than UCLA. You can't be worse than UCLA. Come on, don't do that. Be better. Be better, Stanford. Be better, Stanford. Yeah. And they lost lost out of the gate to USC, too. That was – wasn't that – that that put Keaton Slovis on the map, right? Was that the game, if I'm not mistaken? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that exactly. David, that's when David tweeted that Keaton Slow was like the greatest quarterback ever. Because that's and then what we he thought. immediately threw an interception or got hurt or something. <laughs> but he, excuse me, but he did look really good in that game, and then gave people a lot of hope, and then they got dashed, and then it came back, and all that stuff. So, all right, uh, hold on one second, David. Excuse me. Woo! Sorry. Ryan, uh, Ryan is Ryan is busy coughing. That's I had to hit happened. the cough button, so if you yeah. didn't, I don't want you to hear that. But I thought David might talk while I was not doing it, but he didn't. That's no, fine. no, I like to give you polite <laughs> silence um, and see if we can pick up anything. Yeah. So uh, Hanukkah miracle and time travel. Hello, David and Ryan. Ryan, congrats on the gutsy performance in the Holiday Bowl against the mighty Hawkeyes of Iowa. Well, well, thank. You. I didn't play Alex, but thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, at first, I thought there was only enough embarrassment for USC fans. To last today, they retained Clay Helton, but in a Hanukkah miracle, there was enough embarrassment to last more than eight nights. There was a lot of embarrassment there. You're right there. Um, David, for Hanukkah, I was gifted a time machine, and I'm thinking of going forward two years in time. I might as well skip year three of Chip Kelly, where he goes seven and five with the weakest non-conference schedule in 20 years and keeps his job for a, quote, successful year. And then skip year four when Oregon and Washington are back on the schedule and UCLA plays UCLA plays LSU in the non-conference. UCLA goes four and eight and Chip finally gets fired. Do you want to get in on in the time machine with me or is there any reason to suspect a different outcome? Thanks for answering my question. Can't wait to see what average work 2020 brings to the POC, Alex and SB. Alex. There's no reason to suspect a different outcome. However, never, you never want to skip forward in time. Experience is good, no matter what the experience is. We sit here together through another terrible couple of years of UCLA football. That is so fun. There's so many things to tweet, so many things to think, so many awful things to say about different coaches and different administrators at UCLA. Join me. Join us. It'll be fun. Let's all do this together. That's the only way we're going to get through it. No, Do don't it skip together. forward in time. Really immerse yourself in it. Like, really go swimming through the, like, bilge water and rotted feces. Like, just, you know, really take it all in. Soak it in through your pores. You only get this so often. I think you've thought about this. Yeah. <laughs> I gave it some thought. Did you ever, like, so you see movies like Hot Tub, Time Machine, or anything where you, like, go back in time, and you're like... Going back uh, in time's a different thing. Like, that would be kind of fun and cool. Going forward, no, you don't want to skip stuff. I don't want to skip stuff. And then, but you go back, and you're like, so in Hot Tub, Time Machine, like, the guy invents his own Google and stuff, like, would you buy, like, Google stock or whatever? Like, oh, I know this is going to happen. And uh, 
you, you figure you can like do things over again and make things better. And I've, I don't know why, but I've always thought like, I know there's going to be a bunch of people out there that even if you went back, like, okay, you go back 10 years, like, oh, I'm going to be so much better. And they'd still screw it up. So, you know what I mean? Like knowing what's going to happen, they somehow still make, make a mess of it. Yeah. I think what everyone would, what everyone would probably secure is an initial financial windfall, like just doing something like you'd make a bunch of sports bets on games that you knew the outcome of or whatever. Maybe, you know, something maybe you memorize some lottery numbers or whatever like you would make an initial windfall but then beyond that i mean you're still the same idiot it's not like <laughs> it, it, like it, well, you just are i mean you're still going to make similar mistakes and the thing is like once you go past a certain point things have you know butterfly affected out that you're not gonna be able to predict the future after a certain while um so yeah i mean you're gonna still screw it up and think about the number of ways there are to screw up your life like you could do it in so many different ways so many new ways and maybe you'll avoid the same old ways but you're gonna find something new because you are the same same idiot you always been like that's the important thing to always remember i like it nice yeah all right who's next who's Uh, next john and olympia John in Olympia, Salisbury, and what is acceptable at USC? I hope this is about the steak. I don't uh, think it is. <laughs> hey, Ryan, <laughs> I saw Sean's tweet. All right, well, I guess it isn't. All right, well, I saw your retweet. I, I'm assuming you know what this is about? So Sean Salisbury is a former USC quarterback, and he is now a, he was on ESPN for quite a while. Was it He's supportive now, of uh, Clay Helton? Uh, no, it was not. Um, it was not supportive. He did a video. He's now a radio. He's a radio announcer in Houston, Texas, I believe. Uh, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was uh, it was it was critical of saying. I think he said USC basically eight and five is not good enough. Is the okay. is the quick recap, if I remember correctly. Got it. And then he said, "I'm not familiar with USC critical thinking, so I was hoping you'd help me. Could you rank the following Salisbury QB seasons in order of most to least acceptable to USC? One, the eight and three probation season without a bowl. Two, the six and six season. Or three, the four, six and one season. Um, John, John's making a fun point here, right? I, I have a, keep reading, but I will. I'll give my opinion on this because I have a very strong opinion, which I I don't. It's like baffling to me, and I'm curious to what you say about this. But I'll uh, I'll give and okay. keep reading. And I'll give my sh- the probation season did have the most wins and no bowl loss, but probation. Hmm, it's hard. Thanks for the pod. Tell the gnome hi and thanks. Thank him for the small amount of time he puts into the pod too, John and Olympia. <laughs> it's like I feel like people aren't on my side, and then they are. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. It's really um, sweet. Is it hard that they're mostly on my side? No, no, no. I, 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 you do I, relish I, that. I, I welcome their hatred. I can feel your anger <laughs> You're flowing through you. Um, this Strike is me one down. Of, John, no, I do right, appreciate that. One of the worst sports takes of all time, every time I hear it, it makes me cringe when a former coach – or athlete gives a take and then you make a comment about his coaching resume or his remember that game you had a holding call like who gives a like once you move on from the playing days the reason you listen to a former player or a former coach is because that former player former coach has done the things that 
idiots like David and myself have not done. They've been in the meetings. They've put the shoulder pads on. They've got trucked by, you know, defensive play, whatever it is. They've done that, right? Now, just because, you know, are you going to only listen to an analyst who's like a Bill Belichick or a Nick Saban, uh, or are you only going to listen to a player that's like Joe Montana or Tom Brady? Like, those are the only people that uh, – impeccable records, those are the people you'll listen to. Anyone else, you're like, oh, you know, uh, why did you – you know, you, you – uh, Jim Kelly, you lost four Super Bowls. I'm not going to listen to you. It's like, no, dude, the guy's been through a zillion things. Like, you listen to the former athlete because they were a former athlete, not because they had some impeccable record. So because Sean Salisbury had an 8-3, and three, a 6-6, six and six, and a 4-6-1 six, a and one season, you're not going to listen to what he has to say about USC football. It's like – no, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I don't give a crap about what their record was. I I care about if they're an analyst. What was Tony Romo's record as a, you know, you go, oh, Tony Romo, you fumbled that. Uh, you couldn't even hold for a PAT on that game. You cost the game. It's like, or whatever, it was a field goal or something like that. He's amazing. He's a really good announcer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Urban Meyer, one of the greatest college coaches of all time. He's freaking amazing at what he does too. Now, if he wasn't very good as an analyst and he's a great coach, I wouldn't like him as an analyst. You could, well, he was an awesome coach. Like, well, he might suck as an analyst. Tony Romo was a mediocre, you know, NFL quarterback. He's oh, a I great. Would, so I wouldn't say that. I think Tony Romo was a good NFL quarterback. He's okay. He he's good. He wasn't but you great, could, but he was good. And Sean Salbrays was a good college quarterback. He was a, I think he was a well mediocre NFL quarterback, but he's an amazing analyst. Um, I just don't like when you throw. You're you're gonna like not listen to the dude's take because of some play they made or didn't make 20 years ago. Like that makes no sense to me. I don't know what you. So what you I think. I have a I agree mostly. Um, what I would say is the the way if I'm understanding his tweet correctly, he's talking about what is acceptable at USC, right? Uh, yeah. Sorry, I totally what. When you were talking, when you talk like, well, hey, Sean Salisbury made a tweet and he's complained about things, but he sucked as a quarterback. So that that's basically what no, I took no, away no, from but this. but Salisbury's tweet was basically talking about what is acceptable at USC, right? Yes. So he's talking, and this is where I would accept like his analysis in that moment is as a fan, as somebody who has um, stake in the program, and as such, it's as valid or invalid as anyone's opinion about the program and about what's acceptable at it. He has a more educated opinion because he was within the program, but it's still as a fan because they're the ultimate arbiters. The people who are paying money for the program, they're the arbiters of what's acceptable and what's not. I mean, at the end of the day, donors and fans. Um, and as such, well, do you find his opinion valid? Like, do you, do you think that his logic makes sense? That's the way you judge it. You don't judge it based off what he did as a player. What you do when when you're judging somebody's analysis, like Tony Romo talking about what's going on on a football field First, you judge it on its own merits. Did what he say play out? Does it make sense? And second, if you want to say, well, he's analyzing what he did as a player. He actually does have expertise talking about what's going on on a football field from a quarterback's perspective. So that's, you're getting actual value there. Salisbury talking about the program in like a general, like what's acceptable way. That's more of fan talk, but that can be valid from him too, because he's, you know, been around the program forever. He's a fan of USC football. And his take sounds like it aligns with most of the accepted wisdom on Clay Helton and his, the job he's doing at USC, um, which is just not shared by the AD and probably a few loyalists. Um, but that's the way I'd always judge it. And so then if I'm hearing like 
not to bring up my old um, nemesis, if I hear Rick Neuheisel um, analyzing somebody's coaching decisions, which he'll do sometimes when he's calling a game or talking about something, it almost always blows me away because he was a horrible coach. Um, and most of his opinions about things are wrong. Um, and like almost objectively wrong, um, like decisions on when to go for it and when not to and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I think you can bring it in when it's, um, so say Salisbury was a really bad quarterback and he's analyzing QB play. I think that is a point where you can say, well, I don't know if you're actually like a great authority on what to do here. Um, because but then the issue is you, you and I player. will do it though. Like, like I'll do, a, yeah, but I, I'll do a I, show but, with coach Harvey Hyde and they'll people like, Oh, he, he, you know, blah, blah, blah. He was terrible at this. I'm like, well, why would you listen to me? And you don't question like what I'm saying. Like, why, why would you question the guy who's goes, actually done it? Well, you know? it goes back to, I think the primary thing with under, with listening to anybody is you assess it on its own merits as a logical thing first. You know, when you're, when you're thinking about somebody's analysis, you look, okay, does that sound right to me? Based Cause I mean, look, it's not, football's a complex game, but I mean, most everyone out there has been watching it. If they're listening to this stupid show, they've been watching it for many, many, many years. You out there have a certain level of expertise. I mean, it's not a coaching level of expertise. It's not a playing level of expertise, but it is a certain level of expertise. You know what you're looking at to an extent. So you can judge analysis on the merits. Okay, does this make sense? Um, and a guy like Tony Romo, you're like blown away when he predicts a play. So yeah, okay, everything that guy's saying is making sense, but... When you're listening to like Rod Gilmore talk about, oh my God, it's very scary that they're going to punt on fourth and one here from the 39. I mean, you've listened to me talk enough about the bad math, but also does that really pass your smell test? Um, and I think I'm, I guess what I'm, what I'm concerned about is yoing too hard the other way, um, which is just appeals to authority. Um, because a lot of these guys are just spouting accepted wisdom. It goes back to that whole, the NFL draft discussion from earlier, which is, there's a lot of just accepted wisdom talking about a lot of aspects of different games and sports. And um, I, I think you always, always think about the analysis first and the analyst second um, and think if the analysis makes sense to you, then it doesn't really matter who's saying it. And if it doesn't, then start looking at the analyst and say, okay, do they know a lot more about this than I do? How, how, you know, and I think that's where you can start to judge their, you know, acumen and resume and all that kind of stuff if you don't agree with the analysis. But if it sounds smart, I mean, if it sounds right, then it's whatever. Yeah, I, I feel like that's when the first thing was like, well, I'm not going to listen to you. That guy that guy was a bad coach, or he was he yeah, fumbled the ball that, in the, that's was my mistake. favorite game. It's like it's okay. the opposite of appealing to authority. It's appealing to like this idea that that guy was a failure, so nothing he could ever say would be right. Right, you know? yeah. Um, um, and that's a mistake, too. But I, I think going too far the other way is also a mistake, where yeah. you're just appealing to authority, and so... Anything Sean Salisbury says is sacrosanct and anything, you know, some jackass on his couch says is, you know, fundamentally wrong because he didn't play. I yeah. know, you know, I think there's, there's, there can be value in both. Um, yeah. And so. it's funny when you look at like, just, you know, the, the cachet that comes with being like the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys for a significant amount of time, um, you know, somewhat, you know, when you have Troy Aikman, who was, you know, is a Hall of Famer, you know, because of the Super Bowls and everything and whatever he's able to do, and also happens to be amazing as an analyst. And he's been doing it for, I mean, I don't know, close to 20 years now or something. He's been doing it a long time. You know, Tony Romo, where you just kind of pluck him and, and you put him in there, and you're like, really? You're, this guy just, 
he's just done with playing and he was uh, he was he was good. Um, you know, I don't think he ever won a playoff game, right? Uh, but he was good. Nowhere near the kind of, uh, you know, the career that Troy Aikman would have. But came out of the gate and just was really freaking good at doing that too. So I think you could say, like, if you're listening to these two guys, and you're like, Troy Aikman was way better than him. I'd listen to what he had to say. But, like, it doesn't mean that uh, Romo wasn't really good at it either. So, that I mean, I don't know. I think we're saying the same kind of thing. But um, I just don't like it when people criticize an analyst for something solely based on I didn't like when he played or coached or whatever. Yeah, you can't immediately jump to that. I, yeah. I think that's the silly part. All right, we got a text message. Uh, let's see. It says, hey, Ryan and Dave, I've been listening to your podcast for six months now. Conveniently for me, as an Arizona State fan, it has been possibly the worst collective six months for the Los Angeles schools in recent history. I have to admit my favorite thing about this pod is to hear you two bash the schools you cover for being, and then in parentheses, insert dumb. Oh, sorry. Dumb, dumber, dumbest. I didn't, it's like, I was reading it. Uh, that was for beautiful. Being, <laughs> well, it's hard. I didn't know. I didn't read this ahead of time. If I would have read it ahead of time, I would have known. <laughs> we don't do any kind of, well, special No, today. no, we do not do any preparation <laughs> whatsoever. So, so piggybacking off both severely underperforming football programs and recruiting classes, Dave, I saw the Bruins took a pretty historically bad loss on the hardwood this weekend. Uh-oh, this is basketball. I haven't seen them play this bad this year. Uh, I'm sorry. I haven't seen them play yet this year, but I'd like to hear your take on Mick Cronin and the team so far. So I think he's talking about UCLA losing to Washington State. No, no, no. This was eight days ago. This was losing to Cal State Fullerton, Uh, which by, by Ken Palm metrics, so it's the worst team that UCLA has lost to since Ken Palm has been keeping stats, which started in 2002. Um, so there's probably a fair argument that it's the worst loss UCLA's ever had. Like not in terms of like margin or it's not like UCLA is any good this year, but to in terms of the team they lost to, it's probably the worst team they've ever lost to is probably the best way to say it. Um, so yeah, things are going well is what I would say. Um, really going swimmingly. Everything with UCLA's major two athletic sports going just bang up really good. Um, but you you like Mick Cronin though, right? Like I thought you kind of like. Yeah, them, yeah, or? no. I I think I I think what it is is it's it's definitely a year zero um, where he does not have. I don't think he has full buy in from his roster. I think there's some imperfect parts of the roster. I do think it's a very. I think it's still a pretty talented roster for the most part. I think there are some guys who are probably a little bit overrated, but for the most part, there's some bodies on there that should be playing better than they are right now. Um, but I, I think they're just judging it. I, I think there's probably some struggle with buy-in. He is very much trying to teach them to be a defensive oriented team. Um, and they were a really undisciplined program under Alford for six years. So I think it's just going to take some time. Um, I, I think there's, there's like two big issues. I think at point guard, and we're just going to talk basketball for like a minute, but wait, I gotta do wait it. yes, I got to do it. Um, okay. at, at point guard, they've got a uh, freshman in Tiger Campbell who has some potential, but he's not there yet. And they've got a backup in David Singleton who's not playing with any confidence. And then at the post, um, they've got two really imperfect options who are their more experienced players and Cody Riley and Jalen Hill. Jalen Hill is a, a good athlete, very good athlete, has very little skill, um, not a ton of feel. Cody Riley has more skill, a little bit better feel. 
in certain respects, but also fouls like once every three minutes and is completely ground bound. I think he's probably got like a 12 inch vertical leap. Um, so between those two guys, that's your two primary posts and then point guard also imperfect. And then on top of that, I think one area where Cronin has made a mistake is he's prioritized a senior Prince Ali, um, trying to get some kind of senior leadership out of a guy who's been in Alford's program for four years. And that's just, no, it's not going to work out. He can't shoot, can't really play, doesn't really play with a ton of discipline, doesn't really defend at any great rate. Um, and so I think Cronin's making a couple of mistakes, but I think he's doing it out of desperation because um, he's just trying to make something work with this roster. Um, I don't think the roster is that bad. I don't think it's untalented, but I do think that there's there's definitely some buy-in issues um, with getting these guys to play defense. And I don't think it's going to get worked out this year. I think they might... They might play better basketball in spurts. I mean, that Washington win was a really nice win, but then they followed it up losing to Washington State. Um, they'll be better, I think, in conference play than they were in non-conference, but I, I would be stunned beyond measure if they like rose to the point where they're like top four in the league. That would be crazy to me. I think they're probably going to be middling to bottom tier this year. Um, real quick on the basketball front, since you're an expert on this stuff, and we don't really want to talk about that that's much, but this seems very Pac-12 where you have – a Colorado squad go beat uh, Dayton, which is, I believe, a top 15 team, uh, beat a top 10 team uh, in Oregon, and then lose to uh, Oregon State. So that, that seems very Pac-12. <laughs> it is pretty Pac-12. Um, yeah, I think that's one of the like early wor- worries I have for the Pac-12 is that the league is better than it's been in probably three or four years, but... The question is whether it has a truly elite team. Um, right now, Oregon and Arizona are probably the two best teams in the league. Um, right now, Ken Palm has Arizona at 11, Oregon at 14. Um, and then Colorado is checking in now at 39 on Ken Palm um, after the loss to Oregon State. Um, that's you're just You don't have a true title contender yet again. Um, probably not even a true Final Four contender yet again. Um, so that's, that's a bit of a concern. Um, but it is a better overall league, which is, you're going to see weekends like that, where a team will knock off Oregon or Arizona and then lose to ASU or Oregon state. Like that's going to happen. I mean, UCLA just beat the better of the two Washington schools on the road and then lost to Washington state, you know, three days later, two days later. Um, it's, there is some real parody, um, in the middle tier of the league and there isn't Arizona and Oregon are both good. They're not elite. And so they can still lose to teams um, that are a rung below them in the league. So, yeah, there's no true runaway favorite. Um, and I think the middle of the league is a little bit stronger than it was in we- in years past. Like Stanford's pretty good this year. Colorado's pretty good this year. USC is always dangerous because they have a bunch of talent, even though they don't have a real coach. Um, and Oregon State, I mean, it, that's not a joke of a team. I mean, Oregon State's – they're all – they're probably going to be bubble-ish, maybe a little bit off the bubble, but they're not going to be a not going to be a pushover this year. All right. Um, oh, this is a, a mess. Oh, this, this is the one where we have to go oh, into. Oh, I got. Yeah, I got it. I'll just. I'll do this one too. Um, oh wait, is it? Uh, it's even out of order in the in the app. Oh my god! And it's always this guy. Yeah, uh, this is Choney nineteen. Um, and I'll try it. It says happy new year's guys one. And so yeah, when Tony, whenever you're texting, like it's coming in, like just garbled, like in just little chunks. So maybe just send an email or something, but, uh, 
Happy New Year, guys. One, in your opinion, why are certain regions of the country flush or bare of certain types of positional talent? Uh, example, California is good for quarterbacks and skill positions, but not as good as, say, Texas or the South for linemen. I mean, we'll just mm. do this one at a time. I'll break it up. Um, so, I mean, there's a there's there's demo reasons why the South is good for linemen, um, and it's uh, part of it is a big dark spot in our nation's history. Um, I so that's that's a big. I don't know how much of it is conventional wisdom. That one's true. Um, you do generally just get much bigger, more athletic defensive linemen um, in the South. Um, I don't know how much of the like Midwestern offensive line thing is just conventional wisdom or if that's actually true. Um, you know, the big, you know, corn fed farm boys type deal. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Do you have any insight on that? No, I, th- I mean, I think there's just certain areas where it's it's played at a young age, I mean, there, you know, there's in the South in Georgia, uh, there's, you know, there's a, it's very popular still. I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks coming out of Texas now. Um, you know, Texas is pretty popular in, you know, Southern California and California in general, there's been a lot of guys, but like, you know, the Ohio Valley, there's, there's just, you know, Western Pennsylvania, there's a lot of dudes that play football and you get a lot of, you know, different athletes. I don't know if it's, if it always works out that way. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, different levels of development where you get a guy from a certain area that maybe looks the part uh, when they're 17 or 18 years old and, and maybe in other areas, they don't look the part till they're 20 and it just takes a little more to develop. I don't know, you know, kind of why that is, but we've, we've seen it. And then, you know, I think there's certain areas that just develop, you know, if there's a great seven on seven circuit in, in California and on the West coast. So you maybe it's easier to develop as a skilled player and a, a wide receiver or a, a quarterback. Cause you've got all these quarterback gurus helping you out and they're all in these seven on seven circuits. So all these wide receivers are getting, getting run. So, I mean, maybe that has something to do with it too. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I, I think the West coast quarterback thing is also like some of it's just population density. Um, California has, I don't know. What does it have? 40 million people now. Something like that, yeah. 45. Um, you've got that many people. You're going to have some quarterbacks come out. And so, I don't know. You're not – there aren't – there's never a ton of great linemen out west. Um, just I, – I, I have no idea. None. Zero idea why this is the yeah. case. But there is definitely some truth to some of it. Yeah. But you get a lot of – I mean, population density is Florida, Texas, California – yeah, a uh, lot of high school football. New York has a you know a lot of people, but doesn't play a lot of high school football. Not as much, so you don't have as many people coming out of there. Uh, two, since it's the off season, you guys uh, distinctly seem to be on opposite ends of the political spectrum. And I love when you discuss social issues, prison as a uh, as a redeeming versus punishing institution. What are your thoughts on the impeachment of Trump? Holy crap! I'm not. I I, I could care less about this. So if you have thoughts, you can say it, but I don't, I don't pay attention to that stuff. So, um, God, do I have any thoughts about him? So uh, on my list of things I care about, it is very, 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 very far down the list. Um, I mean, should he be impeached? Probably, um, for just among many offenses, but I'm sort of of the opinion that like, so I don't want to like normalize the whole thing that's going on with Trump. Cause it's like just pure kleptocracy. 
Um, but I also think like basically every president should have been impeached. Um, basically since they started turning it into, I mean, and you can make an argument. It's been basically just being a King since the beginning. Uh, but it's especially so now like presidents can just kind of unilaterally declare war and they've done it forever for like the last 60 years. Um, and they all should be impeached for that. Every single one of them. Um, you bomb another country, you should be impeached. Um, but uh yeah i don't the thing that they've decided to impeach him on is so just opaque and hard to explain and i don't really know why they picked that when you could just get him on emoluments at any given moment he's enriching himself on the presidency which is a no-no um via foreign leaders staying at his hotels that's just that's an easy one just do that that's something you can explain to somebody in like four minutes and they're like oh okay i get that but the other stuff, I, I, this Ukraine thing, it's just so, it, it, I don't know, it's all so wonky. It's such a weird, like, Washington, D.C. thing that I don't think, like, if you asked a random person on the street, what's he being impeached for? I don't think they'd have any idea. Yeah. Like, none whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, I think it's bad. I think it's, I think that, I think impeaching him is probably the right move for the Democrats. Um, but I think it's, they, they picked, like, the weirdest ground to stand on. Like the weirdest possible thing to impeach him on. Um, from the outside, like, like I mean, I don't really get it. I don't like the politics stuff or whatever. But the the feeling I get, and it's sort of like the Golden Globes that happened the other night, is like you're in the political world and you think that's the whole world. And we're this is our world. We're talking about this. And you should have done this. And, and, and from the outside, you're looking at it like, what the hell are they talking about? To see the opening monologue for Ricky Gervais where he like basically makes fun of Hollywood and uh, so you guys take yourselves too seriously. And if you're going to go up here and, you know, go on some political rant while you work for a company with sweatshops in, uh, in China, like, you know, screw you. It sort of was like, yeah, it's like you need to like sometimes you, like Hollywood just looks at itself from like this Hollywood bowl and, and Washington, D.C. does the same sort of thing. And the but, outside right there, was, but right there, you're arguing against the thing you were just arguing for with the Sean Salisbury argument. Which is don't point to somebody's like record as a player for why they shouldn't have an opinion about something. I mean, people can have opinions about all kinds of stuff. We all experience it the same way. I mean, well, not the same way, but we all we all experience the world. I mean, if you've got an opinion about the world, great, whatever. And if you want oh, no, to, but say I just it, mean like, but like, it, there's the you're talking about like this. You're looking at it from your like we're in Hollywood, so everything's about this and like and the well, same thing yeah, with politics. I mean, you're these, saying all these it's not appealing to just, like yeah, they've got their heads shoved up their own butts, but it doesn't like their first impulse doesn't need to be appealing to people. It can be whatever they want to do. They want an award and they get to talk about it. It's a weird, dumb thing. The Golden Globes and the Academy Awards, and I don't know why we all tune in to watch a stupid awards show. Um, but if they want to use that time to talk about whatever the hell, who cares? I don't know. It's just like listening to a guy like Ricky Gervais, like, you know, rant about something like that. It's like you're you're just when you're advocating for no speech, that is political speech. You're you're saying people should shut up, which is its own kind of political speech. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's all. Yeah, it's all a bunch of people who probably don't have a great informed opinion about things. But that's basically everyone and including the people who are actually making decisions in our country. Um, everyone's asleep at the switch. It's not uh, a great time. Yay. Okay. So that's the political <laughs> talk for the day. Okay. Number three, this is like the worst text ever. For, for, it, it, like you included impeachment of Trump and your, your 
you know, and as number two, as to, number two, we, we need to, still like, have to continue talking. It's like a puzzle I have to put together of the way you sent this text. Three for David for your 2020 New Year's resolution. Can you be nicer to Ryan? I love the chemistry between you two. And on one hand, I love uh, freak. I love. Oh, I'm sorry. Your insights, opinions, and cynicism. But sometimes you seem kind of mean to Ryan. Oh my gosh! I, I would, you're not mean to me. I wouldn't say he's mean. I mean, I. I Maybe in like a playful way. I don't know. Am I mean to Ryan? Everyone out there, I want you to vote on this. Am yeah, I mean no, to Ryan? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think there's if you have good chemistry, it's working. That means it's you got some back and forth, and yeah, yeah. I I don't think it's uh no. I no. certainly I, think, I certainly I certainly don't intend to be mean to Ryan. Do you think there's? Do you think David is self-deprecating? Uh, Shoney nineteen. I would say he is. Yeah, so, if, if anything, I'm meaner to myself on this <laughs> podcast. Well, I think we both, you know, say mean things about ourselves and uh, yeah. e- each other. Well, you know, I don't, I don't think that I don't find him being mean. Yeah. Uh, for any chance this offseason, you can invite that Hithle Day or some other frequent poster on the podcast. Just curious to put a voice to the poster and sort out uh, his sort out his many aliases. Um, you can call and leave a voicemail. We've invited yeah. Hitler to do that. Uh, keep up the great work. Here's to another off season of great social commentary and Disney princess related questions. Choney 19. I'd actually, I'd be fine getting Hitler on to talk to Morgan. That'd be fine. We can do, you that. do that. Okay. Yeah. We can do that at some point. If he's, if he's interested, if he's game. Nice. Um, okay. I don't know how he sends a text. Like he might be sending from a flip phone and it only sends like, I don't know. There's something 80 characters there. at a time. Cause it's just like, boop, it's boop, always boop. Tony 19 too. Like every single time it's out of order, just in bonkers shape. But you know what? <laughs> I appreciate it. Don't stop sending your text messages. No. I like getting them. All right. Uh, this is from our man, Thomas. Um, conspiracy theories via text. Happy New Year, Ryan and Dave. I just wanted to let you know I fell behind listening to the podcast recently and only now heard the text message you received, fearful of what undue influence I might have on the POC subreddit. The person voiced the concern of my supposed bias toward a certain conference commissioner. It was very touching to have another listener remember my email years ago in which I appeared to defend Larry Scott. And while this recognition is a testament to how engaged and awesome the POC's listener base is, I have some disappointing news for the sender. One, as you mentioned later on in the episode, someone else actually created the POC subreddit. As a result, I'm not a moderator. I have zero editorial control. That's right, Admiral Akbar. this is not a trap. I plan to post some red meat there from time to time, but don't expect any Valentines to Woody Dixon. Two, the reason I wrote in about Scott in the first place is actually not to defend him, but to remind others what the salient issues are that the Pac-12 actually, that the, what the salient issues that the Pac-12 actually has to deal with are, even if Scott is replaced. To me, it seemed like at some point POC listeners would want to have discussions about potential solutions as opposed to just bitching and moaning about one guy. That was before, of course, I saw how preoccupied fans across the conference became with Clay Helton. Three, John Wilner actually did a podcast with Larry Scott in October that confirmed some of the more outlandish assertions I've made in the past. Wilner himself attests to how Scott actually wasn't the reason for many of the conference's decisions that people have been most critical toward. Anyone who, are at all, anyone who is at all curious about the behind-the-scenes story of the Pac-12 network should check it out. That means you, Kanzano. Anyway, I'd love to write more, but I'm busy fumigating my house after Utah's putrid performance in the Alamo Bowl. Luckily, I didn't have anyone over, lest they be overwhelmed with the smell of burnt orange cow pies. Keep up the dulcet tones and mellifluous lyrics, Thomas. Mellifluous lyrics, okay. 
Oh yeah. Thanks, Thomas. Wait, so does Thomas want to be a moderator? Like we can make him one, right? Yeah, we can. We have the power. We have the tools. We have the technology. I can make you a moderator. Do you want to be a moderator? I'm. I am not a moderator either, Thomas. But I, I, he could make me one, I guess. And no, I, I think the point was Thomas was going to create it for us, but he just created a Reddit himself, and you can't create your own subreddit unless you've been on Reddit for thirty days or something. If I'm not, if I is that, did I get that right? That sounds right. Why I not? think that's what it was. Yeah, sure. That sounds um, great. Yeah. But we can do that. Uh, the Wilner uh, podcast was really good. And I think we talked about it um, when he had Larry Scott on. I think I can't remember I was traveling somewhere. But, uh, yeah, there was some really interesting insights. And I think we talked about it being Scott being more kind of contrite than he's been in the past, you know. Um, oh, yeah. And sort of admitting to some things that were wrong. So that, that was a good one. Oh, for sure. Uh, but sorry about your uh, your utes, Thomas. It was uh, It was not pretty. It was not. No. Uh, did, did we miss anything else in that? No, I think that's it, right? Okay. I think we're good. All right. So we got one more. Uh, yes. This is Chris and Soul. Uh, what could go wrong? Uh, Happy New Year and congratulations on a great 2019 season of podcasts. Thank you so much, Chris. Uh, as a listener for several seasons, I was nearly gobsmacked uh, before the pod sinks down deeper into Star Wars reminiscing and Disney princessing a bit more football please we still got to talk about the uh um my what's the new one like uh crap uh the mandalorian holy crap i couldn't even think of it we were just talking about before the words so many words and my i am in like in flu medicine heaven or something right now okay uh we do i like the mandalorian i thought it was good yeah you you watch them all now i've watched them all yeah there's eight episodes. I like them. I like them too. It was it was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I I, it, I, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Oh, no Let's sorry. not talk to Mandalorian. Let's talk to Mandalorian another time when we've got less content. Yeah, I'm like we're running out of time, and I'm I'm running out of brain. Uh, I had a nightmare about the Pac-12 in 2020, and awoke in a cold sweat. Please reassure me that all I need uh, is a night light, and 2020 will be fine. So here's the nightmare, and I guess he's got seven points to his nightmare. One, Oregon, which thankfully and graciously accepted a crapload of Wisconsin gifts, plus one from the refs, saved conference pride in the Rose Bowl. Herbert and a bunch of the offensive line leaves, uh, and 2020 starts with FCS National Championship, FBS killer, North Dakota State. I know the FCF Championship game hasn't been played, but as I type, uh, played as I type, but uh, call it a lucky guess. Has that happened already? Do we know who the... I don't, I'm not keeping track of the FCS National I, Championship. Come on, No, buddy. no cares. Uh, then Ohio State limps into the arena. Uh, new offensive coordinators always start fast, so high probability the Ducks are 2-0, and right? Um, with Ohio State coming to town the way they've looked, I mean, that was... Uh, they could easily be in the championship game right now, so I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. No, no. Yeah. This is a lot of brain power, Chris, from Seoul. Yeah. Uh, Utah reverted to their recruiting rankings to close out 2019. Don't be afraid of the national spotlight, boys, and always, always refuse to play in the Coliseum. Utes lose a bunch of all Pac-12 players, but just reload, coach up, and have an easy ramble through the South. Take it to the bank? No. No. I don't know. Uh, what we're, What are we supposed to be doing here? Are we supposed to be like dis- just disagreeing? Uh, so he had a nightmare about the Pac-12. 
Okay, these are the reassurances that he's trying to get us to do. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. No, Utah's going to take a step back. Oregon's not going to start 2-0. This is true. Okay. Uh, Three, Washington, new offensive line to go with a new offensive coordinator, not to mention a new quarterback to replace that untalented coach's pet. He has Browning slash cut out uh, or slashed out. Or Eason will show up that Coach Pete was a classic underachiever who – Benefited mainly from his ceaseless self-promotion. Uh, don't smirk. I learned this from bulletin boards, which are never wrong. Michigan has so much to fear next September 5th, and they thought Alabama was tough. The 91 Washington team better worry about losing their hold on the leaderboard. Huskies return to the playoffs. Bet now before the odd makers wake up. I, I actually think there's a chance of this. Jimmy Lake... I. I don't know. I just I, I'm optimistic about the Jimmy Lake, you know, regime coming through. I don't know. I, but we'll see. We'll. See. I was optimistic this year about Washington. I was wrong. So maybe I'm just kind of. I think the defense will be back to being super elite or pretty close to it. Um, and offensively, I mean, yeah, they need to get a quarterback, but they do have some. I mean, they've got some bodies in that depth chart. Yeah. So. I don't want to watch that OC hire. I mean, what is that OC hire going to do? Um, yeah. But I think there's, I mean, it's it's very clearly now a top two or three talent team in the in the league, yeah. um, right there with and USC recruiting and Oregon, a, and recruiting it and continues to recruit at a high level. So, yeah, I, I think they were, I I think they underachieved this year. Um, but I think if if they they need to find a quarterback, and if they find one, um, either maybe get a transfer in, or if they just you know one of the guys has developed enough that they can play him then they're going to be good again. Um, and if they're good again, it's just a matter of whether they're going to be very good and make the playoff or just good and be a 9-3 and three team. All right. Number four, Stanford decides to switch the target of its copyrighted intellectual brutality from their fans to their on-field opponents. Return to glory? No doubt. Mm. No. Mm, no, I don't yeah. think so either. No. Sorry, we talked about that a little bit already. Uh, five, UCLA and Kelly... Uh, what a tandem, enough said. Year three is the payoff, but not playoff year. Um, the interesting thing is here, he spelled Kelly the way Joshua Kelly spells his name, not the way Chip <laughs> Kelly spells his name. Um, and that's probably the the reason why. So there's so I, I wanna test the theory. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna test drive it right now. Um okay. UCLA is losing Joshua Kelly. Um, the offense has only been good only been good when Joshua Kelly has been good. Um, when he's not good, the offense has been very bad. So he played nine good games last year and nine good games the previous year, and that was the only time the offense was at all functional. Um, he's gone now. He graduated. Uh, and this offense is the best part of the team. The worst part is the defense, which hasn't improved at all. But the best part of the team, the offense, has only been good with this one specific player when he plays. Um, and he's not going to be playing anymore at UCLA. Uh, on top of that, Devin Asiasi, um, who was... So two years in a row, they've lost their... Probably, I mean, I call them the second best. You could make an argument Devin Asiasi is the best. Uh, but they're two best tight ends uh, the last two years. And now they're going to have to replace the tight end position in an offense where Chip Kelly seems like he would just love it if he could play five tight ends at once. Um, <laughs> so I'm... I'm almost ready to say next year won't be any better. Like, won't be any better at all. Like, even with a softer schedule, it's going to be the same sort of 4-8 and eight type deal. Um, 
we'll see what happens in the transfer portal and, and all that kind of stuff. And if they can get some instant impact guys. Uh, but right now looking at it, I, I think it's going to be like four and eight, five and seven. All right. Uh, six USC, which had an unfortunate and inexplicable rough spell now has a handpicked new university leadership team. Not sure Ryan, but are any of the USC regents on or were on the board of PG and E that digression aside, the sleeping giant awakes. Wait a minute. Even you boys cannot lull me into believing this will turn out well. Uh, yeah, no, I don't I don't think they're going to be. I mean, they start off with Alabama, so you get a loss. But they'll probably be the favorite in the Pac-12 South. Uh, maybe Arizona State or Utah. Uh, the offense will be good. I don't know what they're going to do on the defensive side. But, you know, you still got Keaton Slovis and a bunch of really good receivers. So they'll, they'll probably be able to win a bunch of games. But, I, I mean... I don't think it's a sleeping giant awake sort of thing. No, no. But, yeah. and they, you know, they got to play on the road at Utah on the road at Oregon next year. Plus they're playing in Dallas against Alabama. So three likely losses there. Um, and then, you know, they'll, uh, yeah, who knows, but we'll see. Okay. Seven, uh, Pac-12 sets a new record and is irrelevant nationally by mid September. Uh, Shirley, Herm, Oregon State, Colorado, and Washington State, even in a dream I couldn't add Arizona here, will ride to the rescue. Just relax. Yeah. Uh, I don't think irrelevant by mid-September. No, I wouldn't say that. And, like, I mean, I don't know. It's really early to predict a lot of this stuff. I mean, you don't know. You really don't know the makeup of certain teams. Like a lot of yeah. guys might leave for the NFL draft. I mean, it's and it's I don't know. I mean, this we is we haven't all got really... the spring ball yet. We don't have the the schedule yet. It's like yeah, no, I, don't, I don't. I have no idea. Chris, you're lucky. This is an international email. I would have bailed a long time ago. Uh, all that said, <laughs> we're losing energy rapidly. Rapidly. I mean, I lost it about a half an hour ago. I'm tr- I'm doing my it's, best. I'm trying. We're recording this later than we usually do. It's like ten fifteen for me. I'm like, I should have been in bed an hour ago. It's great. Yeah, uh, I need to get fluids in me. Um, all that said, can the Pac-12 podcast grant just one more listener wish? Uh, in 2020, we need a new word to build on Herocious. Uh, they were herocious, which on January 1st, 2020 still has Pac-12 in the top definition to trend into number one in the Urban Dictionary. Ryan, if it helps, have Dave read more, uh, read and answer three listener emails consecutively because his error rate may just conjure up something. If that fails, I will be in shock and awe. Chris from Seoul. Okay, we can do this. I mean, that's something we can work with. That Chris, that should have been your whole email. Because that's something we can work with in the offseason. We can find a way for me to say something stupid. Like, that's something <laughs> that can be a commitment we make to you, the listener, here, January 6th, 2020. I will say something stupid. We will make it a sound drop. We will use it intermittently for a period of one year. Then we will more or less forget about it. That's what we will do. That's what we commit to you, the listener. Yeah. We forgot about this one. The truth is, we all know Champagne Larry likes to roll large, right? <laughs> so the drop we got. Um, yeah, I, I think, Chris, both of us are very capable of saying stupid things. You could probably go back through this podcast alone because it is now at the two-hour mark uh, and find several stupid things that both of us have said. So 
I don't think either of us claim to be geniuses. No. I think I used to be smart. I really was, but I, I do not feel I am now. <laughs> That's the mark of true genius. <laughs> Especially knowing coming your limitations. Off the flu. Yeah. yeah, coming off the flu has not been good for me. And I probably did not need to speak for two hours in a row, but here we are. Here you are. Here you did it. We did it. We're here. I won't say it was great. I won't say it was even really passable, but it's over. How the hell did we go two hours? No idea. No idea. No. But again, here we are. Okay. Well, we got to wrap it up because I don't think I have any voice left. And uh, you probably all your ears are bleeding at this point. So thanks so much for listening to the podcast of champions. Our first episode of the new year. We're going to wipe away the 2019 season and look forward to 2020. So we'll come up with some ideas, send in all your emails and text messages. Leave us a couple of voicemails. We haven't played one of those for a while. So that's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks for tuning in. We will talk to you next time. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. I saw all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Way, Brady PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus.